Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, and it is the year 1991. Skynet has taken over. There is uh, uh, a Fisher King, and... um, is that the right year? Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Um, <laughs> you stop. look at me like I, I didn't know. There's a Secret of the Ooze. There's time traveling space guys. There's hungry cannibals. Yes. There's a couple of pilots that one would call hot shots. Um, there's uh, tears that rocket. Uh, yes. uh, some, something about a rockadoodle. Yes. There are finks that barton. <laughs> this is the Real Nerds Podcast, and every week we podcast a new movie and share our experience to the world. We watch a new movie and podcast our experience <laughs> of the world. I've only done this for 10 years. Um, but this week, we're going back in time to a time where Sarah Connor and her son go on a road trip with a cyborg. Film Explosion 1991 is what we're doing today. And if you've never heard of Film Explosion, let me break it down for you. We have each picked our 10 favorite films from 1991, put them on a list, and we will reveal the said list in a certain order that our evil producer, Brad, has put together. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. When did he become evil? When did I miss this plot twist? <laughs> well, Ten years, I've pretended to be <laughs> <yes>. nice. <laughs> in but 1991, just, we find out that I'm evil. Yeah, we just, we just rolled with it. See, that's what we call improv. I said he was evil. He did the evil laugh. Um, yeah, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, same wavelength. We yeah. have 10 years of continuity that we need to stick to. <laughs> Actually, Brad and I have, have 27 Six, five, I don't know. In a row? <laughs> <laughs> at least at least twenty three. Uh probably ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah, twenty four years. Yeah. Coming up our twenty fifth anniversary, Brad. Uh-huh. Is that the silver? It something, is something silver. You do. That's the mixing board anniversary. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get you a, a a silver uh comic book cover. Sweet. Silver Age. Silver Ooh, Silver Age. Love yeah. it. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah. What 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 anniversary is the new mics? Because that's what we really need. <laughs> <laughs> what is that one? I think it's I think it's twenty one years. <laughs> is the new mic anniversary? Whatever uh, the two thousand twenty two anniversary year is. That's yeah, yes. That <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But so we'll go around and let me introduce the nerds because three of us and special guest are in uh, one room uh, on Zoom is James. Hi. Uh, Sitting next to my left is Zach Golden Age Hollywood Eastman. Hello. In front of me is Brad. What's up? And we have another guest, Zach. Hey, hey. Different Zach. Different Zach. We have to fight now. <laughs> All right, I'll go get the lube. <laughs> <laughs> no lube. <laughs> One of each of you tell me something only you and I would know. <laughs> uh, something, something, Jack Benny. Something, something, something. <laughs> All right, you're the real Zach. <laughs> Zach, why don't you? Uh, well, welcome. Thanks for Thank joining you. with uh, uh, joining us on this Sunday morning. Um, tell us about yourself. Well. A few years ago, I snuck into Denver Comic-Con, and I found these nerds, these real nerds. Oh, that's us! <laughs> and I asked them, can I be on your show as to draw attention away from myself and security? <laughs> <laughs> Look like I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> so, so I was promoting my movie, Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer, at Denver Comic-Con at the first one, I believe. Yes. And you guys uh, were nice enough to let us on the show i knew brad before from uh from all the open screen nights and uh and i've been you know just listening to your guys show especially over the last year i've i've missed out a lot on the on hanging out with friends and watching movies and last year as everybody knows was very depressing and you guys were a beacon in the dark i really appreciate your show a lot thanks and one of the things i really looked forward to every year was or every you know few months was the film explosions they were a lot of fun i'd yell at my radio in the car (laughs) be like that can't be number three (laughs) we love eliciting that kind of reaction and now let's be honest zach it was the other zach when he you know picks movies like uh the nice guys <laughs> guys saving private ryan is the fifth best film of night how dare you <laughs> i'll kill you i'll kill you like vin diesel in that movie <laughs> but uh yeah so i i was super excited to be on you guys actually inspired me to make my own po- damn podcast oh woo! Um, it's called talking trauma where i talk about different trauma movies um, for those not familiar, Troma is the oldest independent film studio coming up on its 50-year anniversary. Jesus Christ. Um, they, they're best known for The Toxic Avenger, Class of Newcomb High. I've worked with them on Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead, as well as just ever ever uh, little Troma events around town. So, um, yeah, just something I... As, as the other Zach will talk about Jack Benny, I will talk about trauma movies, and only three people in the world will know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> but, but they are the three most important people on planet Earth. Exactly. And, that, and that's who we cater to. And actually, you were um, you, you, you inaugurated Ballyhoo, the yesteryear Ballyhoo Review. You were the first guest. And you are the third guest on my show, and Brad... He is on episode seven, yet to come out as of this recording. My goal is to get every real nerd on to talk about a trauma movie. Is that, so. is that when you get the trauma gauntlet? <laughs> the toxic glove? <laughs> it's, it's just a ripped up glove that I found on a homeless man. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> toxic. <laughs> the infinity stones are really just ki- kidney stones. <laughs> so. Lloyd's like, look, we can't afford a fancy gold glove. <laughs> like That's just far out of our budget. How about you pay me for the glove. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the the bloodstone, the boob stone, the vomit stone. Ooh, I like the boob stone. <laughs> All you need is the kidney stone. The kidney stone, yeah. 
So thanks for being on. Yeah. We appreciate it. I am disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, uh, Henry didn't send us a list, huh? Uh, no, he's actually at a job interview. So. Oh, so oh, like real something. <laughs> uh, That's Corinne fine. did though. Cool. So we have to read that at the end. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> let me let me do a spoiler alert. Her favorite film of the year is an animated film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cartoons can't be movies, guys. Come on. Um, and you know what's funny is I know I'm right. Um, she, uh, she texted me at like one in the morning to check if it was on anyone's list, and I was like, "I'm, con- I'm, con- I'm contractually obligated not to tell you." Yeah. The, so, so yeah, we should say that nobody knows our list except for Brad because Brad puts together um, a DVD or Blu-ray, excuse me, where we can watch the trailers to sometimes refresh ourselves and to show off his incredible uh, disc making skills. That and the fact that he's the calmest of the bunch. So and um, <laughs> and what I love uh, most about Brad's uh, Blu-rays is they have little um, Easter eggs in it. So right now, the select icon is a Skynet logo, <laughs> which um, I really appreciate so, um, because Terminator 2 came out this year. So we, uh, Brad has put together the order that we're doing this based on optimal... Most uh, efficient way. Most efficient way. Team-ups. And also, we can sweep people and... Um, I'm sure we'll have some funny interstitials for that, I hope. Yeah. Whenever, or, whenever you introduce a movie before someone who really loves that movie uh, is, or is known for loving that movie, you, you've swept them. So you, you'll be uh, chastised by a little videographic. Yes. Um, and also, we should point out, uh, as we remind every every time, these are not lists of the best movies of the year. These are our favorite, personally, of the year. Yeah, and if you want the best films of the year, just search my list and that's what you got no it's mine it's mine it's mine i don't know <laughs> guys guys i've guys. listened to these before it's probably gonna be mine <laughs> guys guys the nice guys is the seventh best film oh, of 2016 you, man. <laughs> this fucking guy um anyways uh, because the episode is really long, I like to pull the band-aid off and get us started right away. I don't care what you guys did this week. You go fuck yourselves. Um, <laughs> no, actually, that's also a lie because I saw James yesterday, so I'm all caught up. So did I. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so. Uh, Your arms look about as sunburned as my neck. Yep. My neck. I, and, I, 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 no joke. <laughs> and guess who gave me shit about that? My wife. My wife. My wife. My wife. She said, oh, uh, I guess I'm going to be driving you to your melanoma cancer treatments when you're older. And I said, shut up. Because I also golfed. I also golfed the day before without wearing sunscreen. And she says, wow, you look great. I said, thanks. And she said, I'm just kidding. You're sunburned, you dickhead. Um, that's not how my wife talks to me. That's totally made up. And at least you didn't sunburn your dickhead. <laughs> yes. Oh. Fall asleep with my dickhead hanging out. <laughs> Why am I golfing with my dick out? Yeah. This is a strange it's so long and I need a club. Yeah. I need to choke up on this core on this club. This sounds like a strange fucking golf course. <laughs> and this is brought to you by why James's children are sitting right next to him. I guess my mom's listening. And his mom's listening. <laughs> Huck and Leona better not have swept our choices, dude. I'm, I'm, I swear to God. Oh, they have lists, too? No one told me. <laughs> so we're going to be here all day. So uh, our order is guest Zach, then James, then the greatest, then Brad, and then Zach. But you didn't say your <laughs> name. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I know, Zach, you said you've listened to these, um, but I'll just refresh you because, you know, 
you might have a lot of pressure being on our podcast. I want you to just relax. Um, just say um, this. Uh, do a little intro for your film without saying the title. Say this is my number 10 film. We'll play the trailer. And then when we come back, just say what the film is. Because some of the feedback we've gotten is we say the name of the film, play the trailer. And then some of the trailers like Henry's or like French movies that go and they don't say anything. And then we just make fun of them, how stupid they are. And then guests or, uh, people listen to those say, wait a minute, what movie were they talking about? So they said au revoir in the trailer. Maybe the movie is called au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of trailers, I'm really disappointed in YouTube 1991 movies because there's maybe 2% of these. They're actually in HD. Wow. So lame. Yeah. Some of them are going to be kind of fuzzy and some of these movies are probably shot on VHS tape. So <laughs> probably, <laughs> Um, anyways, guest Zach, uh, you start us off. Oh my goodness. Well, this is my number 10 and it's a great movie to watch with your friends. Real or imaginary. <laughs> oh, honey, why don't you call him drop dead Fred? Because that's his name, daddy. Like many small children, Lizzie had an imaginary playmate. Drop dead Fred is going to teach me how to cook today. Someone she could talk to. Sugar? Yeah. <gasps> Someone she could share with. Oh, Grandma Bun! Someone who would never let her down. No more drop-dead Fred! Period! Now Lizzie is all grown up. To us. And when her perfect life uh. fell apart. Charles, I lost my money, my car, my husband. She didn't get mad. Drop-dead Fred. She got... Fred. Ah, face. What, who dropped dead? Drop dead Fred is this imaginary friend that I had as a child, and he's back. And everybody has strange friends, even you must. But all mine are alive. Well, that's not saying much. <laughs> it's no wonder Charles left you. Haven't got a husband, got a stupid haircut. You see, you just don't know how to make a marriage work. Well, let's get Charles back then. I'll help you. Let's just behave ourselves. <laughs> He's back. Yeah, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing, except you're ruining my life. To show her, no matter how bad things look now, <laughs> they can always get infinitely worse. Drop Dead Fred was way out of control. Have I got him? You're dead, little man. Nobody. It's because he's invisible. Idiot! I don't want an imaginary friend anymore. Right, that's it. I hate you. Ow! Goodbye forever. Drop dead Fred. Well, what does that taste like? Every child should have one. Especially when she grows up. So yeah, my number 10, starting it off right with Drop Dead Fred. Maybe one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> I I love this movie because uh, it stars Rick Mayall, who is in The Young Ones and The Bottom and all these other uh, BBC, just, you know, 90s classics. Where is he now? He's dead. Drop Dead Rick Mayall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> It also has Phoebe Cates in there, and mm -hmm. I will probably watch any movie with Phoebe Cates. So the the physical effects in this movie are just ridiculous. And also the comedy that Rick Mayall does, I think he's pretty funny. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, about a little girl who 
has an imaginary friend and her mom's kind of a bitch so she hides the imaginary friend away and then when she's a broken down adult with uh, marriage troubles she rediscovers drop dead Fred and smears dog shit all over the living room <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like kids movies were a little different in 1991 <laughs> than they are now I've never seen this movie but the trailer was giving me vibes of Pee Wee's Big Adventure like we're trying to capitalize off that success definitely the score was ripped off from uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> from peewee it's one of my movies that i can't stand and it's really popular and i mean i get why people like it but i just think it's i can't get into it i love this movie and i totally get why people would hate <laughs> this movie <laughs> it's irritating it's brash and it's it could be grinding on your nerves if this is not your cup of tea <laughs> yeah um yes yeah, i mean it's one of those movies that it has a huge following that a lot of people really do like and every time i i haven't watched it maybe in 10 years but the last time i watched it i go nope can't do it <laughs> can't do it i'm grateful for it because i think it's produced one of the best episodes of how did this get made um for exactly the reason you're talking about where half of them are like what why this is an amazing movie <laughs> I went and saw it at the Alamo because of that episode, and I just regretted watching it. <laughs> oh, man, I missed it at the Alamo? Yeah. <sighs> well, check, check I wouldn't the... say you missed it. <laughs> I've worn out my DVD. <laughs> check your local listings, guys. <laughs> All right. Drop Dead Fred. James. Some... Somebody's drinking something behind you. I think we have a clue. Hey, um, so for my list this year, I, I think my nine and ten, honestly, you could sort of swap back and forth. There's a couple of movies that I left off my list because I would have put them at the bottom of my list and I know other people would have put them near the top. So instead, my nine and ten are, are sort of me just talking about some movies I thought nobody else might put on their list. Uh, like my number ten, which is... Did you ever reach a point in your life... Well, you say to yourself, this is the best I'm ever going to look, the best I'm ever going to feel, the best I'm ever going to do, and it ain't that great. Happy birthday. For Mitch Robbins, turning 39 wasn't the end of the world. It just felt like it. I'm losing hair where I want hair, and I'm getting hair where they shouldn't be here. I found four big fat ones on my back. I'm starting to look like the fly. He couldn't put his finger on what was missing. Show him the brochure. It's fantastic. But his friends could. Two weeks, the three of us. Driving cattle. What, like in a truck? No, it's a real old-fashioned cattle drive. Go away with Ed. Take Phil. Go and find your smile. Welcome to the Stone Ranch. Believe it or not, that work you saw a while ago, y'all are going to be doing that the next two weeks. My ass hurts just watching this. What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. I'll pay for that shirt, too. That is the toughest man I've ever seen in my life. Did you see how leathery he was? He was like a saddlebag with eyes. Over now! Hi, Curly. Kill anyone today? They ain't over yet. <sighs> Arnold, uh, I'm losing you. We're, yeah. we're going behind a butte, and Arnold... I got a special treat. We're gonna make fresh coffee. Wow, something's spooking the cattle. Stampede! City folk. The scouts having a baby. Reach in and pull out the calf. You know, this was not in the brochure. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! 
Billy Crystal. Look what I did. I made a cow. Daniel Stern. I lost my wife. I lost my job. And I've got some sort of rash for making in the bushes. And Bruno Kirby. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, God. Hit the trail. You know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? Just one thing. What's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. Let's just leave the herd and get the hell out of here, huh? A cowboy doesn't leave his herd. You are a sporting gun salesman. Not today. Sometimes you have to get your feet wet. Oh, God, I don't like this. To sit a little taller in the saddle. I'm 39. I'm saying moo cow in a river. Do you believe this? <laughs> Came out of your city slickers. You're going to go home, cowboys. City Slickers. I'm on vacation! Uh, yeah, so my number 10 is City Slickers, um, which, honestly, might be it needs to be higher. I just haven't seen it in a while. Um, but I remember it being really fun, um, like a good sort of family movie. We watched it a lot when I was a kid. Um, I kind of remember liking the second one, too, but if I went back, I probably wouldn't watch the second one just out of fear that it would be terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think anything that's, that's a good, uh, platform for Billy Crystal and Daniel Stern is just, you know, pretty much a win. So yeah. City Slickers, number two at 10. Um, there you go. That's, that's my list. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Kirby is really well known for his work with Christopher Guest in such films as this is Spinal Tap and Waiting for Guffman. Um, but he passed away 15 years ago. Yikes. Um, but yeah, and yeah. he's also in Good Morning Vietnam when Harry met Sally. So yes, he is very prolific. Maybe it's because we're weren't that old even when 1991 came out is why we don't know who Bruno Kirby is. <laughs> but audiences in 1991 might have known who he was. They hungered for Bruno Kirby yes. in 91. Yes, <laughs> uh, James. I'm going to assume this is one that your parents showed you, correct? Like this is like this was a video watch. This is the, I, I have the same story with this with this one. It didn't make my list, but I remember ha- having fun as a kid watching this movie. But I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And it, it's criminal how few movies there are that are just like, hey, here's just Billy Crystal being fun. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah. Yep. That's just a good movie. I haven't seen it in so long, so I couldn't give an actual critical analysis of it. <laughs> I actually watched this movie a few months ago. Yeah. Um, just kind of gearing up. It didn't make my list this time, but all the gags in the movie I was expecting because I remember part two pre- pretty vividly. This w- this movie has a lot of heart to it, mm. and I was not expecting you know the Billy Crystal Cowboy movie to be as emotional as as it is, and just like. You know, being turning thirty nine soon, and you know, kind of dealing with that that bullshit, and then it's like, oh man, I did not think I would be relating to city slickers as much <laughs> as I am, but but I'm ready to rustle up some cattle if it wasn't for my allergies. So, nice. <laughs> uh, and I always remember Jack Palance when he won the Oscar did one arm push ups at the Oscars to prove that he's still got it. Remember, Billy, you're my number one city slicker. (laughs) (laughs) So they couldn't make a sequel. So no, some say he's still doing one arm pushups to this day. (laughs) Oh, finally to me. Just kidding. Um, my number 10 film is has pretty much everything in it has 
aerobics, um, seedy underbelly of Are you okay? People. <laughs> um, yep. And it has double the action stars. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He always makes an impact. Now, get ready for double impact. There's two of them. Think about it. Van Damme times two. He looks exactly like you. Me? Twin brothers reunited on a mission. Watch my back. To avenge their parents' death. One packs a punch. One packs a piece. Look good to me. Together, they deliver. Double impact. Excuse me. From Hollywood to the Far East. On land. On sea. And in the air. What do we do? That's what I love about you. Van Damme. Ah! Times two. Ah! Double the fun. I would never in my life wear black silk underwear. I'm with you on that one. And double <laughs> the bad damage. Double impact. Sweet tag team with Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Brad and I's 10th favorite film of 1991 is Double Impact. And it might be it might be higher at my list if I saw that trailer because uh, I was just told that it's double the van damage and um, he broke a glass. With he his broke bare a glass hand. with his bare hand. That's not in the movie. I'm like, fuck. Um, yeah, this movie is twins separated at birth. One goes to L.A. One stays in Hong Kong or goes to Hong Kong or one is taken to Hong Kong by the butler. I can't remember. No. What? One's Help me. <laughs> one's an aerobics instructor in like right. LA, and then the other one's in the criminal underworld in Hong Kong. <laughs> That's right. And the aerobics instructor Van Damme is really fruity and really... Goody two-shoes. Goody two-shoes. But he kicks a lot of damage um, in the film. And then the other one is this badass like, hit guy, and he has a really hot girlfriend, and then he dreams about the good guy sleeping with his hot girlfriend. <laughs> And, it's re- and that's I, the movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's an excuse to show nudity because it's Van Damme literally walking through this burnt out fortress thing with booze. And he's going, Ugh! and then it flashes back to his twin brother, who's really him having sex with the hot girl. And then he'll do another shot of him putting his like arm up against the wall and leaning against the arm. And, <laughs> um, but the movie is actually pretty fun. Uh, it's your typical 90s over-the-top action film and made even cooler if uh, MVD released a really sweet Blu-ray of it. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it's It was one of my favorite Blu-rays from last year, two years ago. Mm. So, um, yeah. It's also like the first of many uh, movies where Van Damme plays twins. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And he does play him differently. I mean, obviously, the silly part is is he still has his accent when he's in Hong Kong and in... <laughs> la from you know brussels but you know whatever you, you suspend your disbelief because 
he kicks a lot of people's ass. And every time I see that, I don't know who the one Asian actor is, but he's like a bad guy in every late 80s, early 90s movie. Yeah, he's, he's like villain in Bloodsport, too. Yeah, yeah. and what, what's his... I should know his name because he's always like really intense and really great. And he's kind of like the crazy... Uh, martial arts stunt guy and he's in a lot of something but that might be the character of Bloodsport. yeah but he's you know what i mean like he's in a lot of movies oh, yeah. and he's really great there's His actually a Bolo young Bolo young yeah yeah um actually on amazon prime it suggested uh like that guy is the lead character in like a trilogy i forget what the trilogy is called oh but shit it's like i don't know vice city or something uh but so brad i mean oh, thunderstrike or yeah i think it's yeah it's strike something I mean, it's on my list because it's really fun. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, yeah, <laughs> but it's fun. And a lot of my movies, as we've said earlier, you know, this is, has no critical analysis at all. But I, I just like movies that are fun. You know, they don't have to be weepy bullshit all the time. And that's, I think, what really got me at towards waiting for movies to come back this year because of the pandemic. And every movie was some drama and some hardship. I go, oh my gosh, please. <laughs> Please, can I just see two Van Dams kicking people? <laughs> so do you think the Hollywood pitch for this was like, I want to remake Haley Mills' Parent Trap, but with Jean-Claude Van Damme? I hope it is, <laughs> because if I was a studio executive and they came in and said that, I said, I like where you're at. I want to make it rated R, so there's lots of violence. And then I want to throw in some random nudity. Can we do it? <laughs> Only if he could do the splits. <laughs> <laughs> he does it a couple times in this movie. Sir, your pitch yeah. has been working for Disney, but if you tried our new arm touchstone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I should pick up the uh, the MVD Blu-ray because it has the film and it has really cool special features on it. Um, yeah. Zach, real nerd. All right. So my number 10 is uh, uh, a comedy featuring the two great ones. Um, oh, thanks, Zach. After they were excellent, but before they faced anything... They went on bogus. a most bogus adventure. I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Once they made history. I must see to it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude, but is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? Enjoying the family. No way! Invading the present. I totally possess my dad. Battling <laughs> the future. You metal, dude! Excuse us, but your shoes are untied. <laughs> Can't believe you just mailed in death! And meeting their maker. Guy? Congratulations on Earth! Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. 
Best of seven? Damn right! Ah! Oh, Left hand red. Ah! Yeah! Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's another tag team review. It's a Zack yeah. attack. Woo, woo, woo! The best way to review this movie is with another Zack. Yes, exactly. This is this is exactly. how this works. Exactly. So, <laughs> full disclosure, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is my number one of 1989. The reason this is at number 10 is for two reasons. Number one, out of the three, it is the, the least favorite in the trilogy. Um, but I still I still love it. I still appreciate it. But the other part is is that there's other films on the list this year that have <laughs> captured my attention more over the years. But Bogus Journey is still fun. Ultimately, I would feel it's because you're still watching Winters and Reeves play off their comedy banter. Their their dynamic and their chemistry together is always wonderful to watch. And in this one, we also get the introduction of William Sadler as death and the way they poke fun at seventh seal and then take it way too far is super fun with like every successive game they have death play with them because <laughs> he just needs a friend <laughs> and but yeah zach why do you like this movie so kind of like you i feel like if this was any other year this movie would be way higher on my list mm-hmm. uh for me it's number two in my order of bill and ted movies um i love station i love those little creepy looking monsters that look like they could be you know somebody i went to school with yeah (laughs) um and i i really like their idea of hell how it's just like stuff that tormented them when they were a kid so like the military school and the easter bunny and grandma's kisses yeah it's awesome the military school too like like a lot of it also is like they were able to call call back a lot of things that they mentioned as potential threats to bill and ted's uh, breaking of their friendship, and the whole. And for anybody who doesn't know the plot, the um, a, a terrorist from the future hijacks one of the f- time traveling phone booths and goes back in time with two robotic uh, Bill and Ted's to take to kill Bill and Ted so that they won't compete in the battle of the bands in San Dimas, thus not creating the band that will save the world or the song that will save the world. As we all realize now, with face the music, they did they, not make the song to save the world. Though. But but, but, but sh- spoilers for people <laughs> who haven't watched face the music. I, I like in face the music. I was reading an interview with Keanu Reeves or Alex Winter, and they were like, "We totally did not remember they put all that stuff in the credits of Bogus Journey <laughs> when we were starting to write face the music." So they did not realize that they saved the world at the end of Bogus Journey. Yeah, well, the, and that and. Uh, 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 allegedly, the song that does save the world is "God Gave Rock and Roll to You" by Kiss. I mean, I've seen Kiss. I would a hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> I, 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 it, it's a. Uh, I can't remember if that. I don't remember if that song was written specifically for, like, if that was like a music for the soundtrack, like that. Song I don't was, think so. Yeah, I don't think a, that's an older song. Okay. And the only reason I I know a lot of Kiss trivia is my wife loves Kiss. Okay, gotcha. I saw them at Cheyenne Frontier Days. I said, "Wow, they really don't fit into this," but we drove up there, and yeah, they're awesome live. I also saw them at Cheyenne. Did you really? <laughs> was it super rainy the year you went? Uh, I don't remember. I remember we were in the, we got general admission because it was all sold out. And then I, I didn't know General Mission was, like, front row. Yeah. It's like the pit. So, yeah, it was way better. And so we were right up front. It was awesome. I stood, yeah, same here, right up in the front, right by Gene Simmons. And he's just 
you know, an old Jewish man with a lot of face paint on, yep. so you could see him getting tired. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that I mean that it's still a fun time too. At the end of the day, like if you're getting Bill and Ted at, at any point in your life, like even the cartoons fun to watch it if you can get a hold of those episodes like i i just enjoy watching those two characters goof around and have adventures and, and you get pam greer in this movie too and yes. there's a nice reveal with that at the very end um and I, I would point out anytime you can watch george carlin in a movie because there are scant few <laughs> by comparison to other comedians of his generation that you, you're, you're in for a fun time with watching him play rufus so and you only get two outings with it out of the three. So, yeah, it's my number 10. My number nine. James, Sweet. we're back to you for number nine. Yeah. Um, so, my number nine is another one of those movies that I, I sort of put out on my list more because I just figured we weren't, weren't going to talk about it. And I think uh, it's good. I remember it fondly. Um, I fondly is a word. Fondly is not the way you should talk about this movie. Um, uh, I remember it being tense and relatively well made but probably if i went back and watched it now i'd be like "Ooh, that's maybe not the message you always want to send uh anyway uh, my number 99 is this she is a stranger in a small town what's your name where are you from my questions days when the rains came is this what they mean by a warm welcome Behind her smile, what is it with you? Is a secret. Behind her laughter, is fear. Wow! I'm sorry. Behind her happiness, Are you okay? I'm gonna be. Is a past she can never forget. I had a husband. He hurt me. She was the only thing I ever loved. I guess I'm just really afraid. She changed her name. Six months ago, your wife removed her mother from this institution. Look, there's obviously some mistake. My wife drowned. I left him, Mom. She changed her looks. What are you doing here? Waiting for you. I want this taken very seriously. She's looking for you. She changed her life. If you need any help, I'm here. Is she with someone? I don't know where. Thanks. The woman she used to be is dead are you okay saying goodbye to old ghosts you know but the man who always wanted her where does she hunt still wants her back i know your every thought laura <laughs> nothing could keep me away i can't live without you and i won't let you live without me julia roberts is sleeping with the enemy Cool. Uh, so my number nine is Sleeping with the Enemy, uh, which is a movie where Julia Roberts tries to get away from her husband because he's the worst. Um, She's right behind you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it, I remember it being pretty suspenseful and stuff. Um, I haven't seen it in, I don't know, six or seven years probably. Um, so I can't remember whether or not like maybe the way it depicts this situation is still the best um but still just a good good thriller that's that's interesting and different and something from this movie that or from this year that i thought we should bring up even if it, it's not necessarily like the best most remembered movie 
Um, so yeah, uh, prob I have a feeling if I went back and rewatched them today, I'd flip City Slickers and Sleeping with the Enemy, but who knows? So um, yeah, people should check it out. It's good. Uh, some fact checking done by me because we need to be truthful in this podcast. Um, Kiss released God Gave Rock and Roll to You as a single for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which is a cover from 1973 from some other band that I forgot. So um, fact checking. Mm -hmm. That's what we do here. <laughs> or as it's known as proving Zach right. And that happens once every 10 years. There's two yes, Zachs. You got to be specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Proving Zach Benjamin Kubelski Eastman wrong. <laughs> right. I think it's pretty amazing that after 10 years, we've had our first mistake on the podcast. I know. It's unbelievable. Our first mistake. <laughs> that was my fault. I'm not actually part of the show. Today. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought the first mistake was hiring me. <laughs> well, we, it's too late now. We can't take it back. Um. My number nine film is a blockbuster video favorite. Um, I used to go to blockbuster all the time when they were around every Friday night and I would pick movies off the shelf based on their cover, which is usually a great way to rent a film. But <laughs> I would also argue that, you know, before the Internet was really big, you'd have to rely on the posters to see if you want to see the film. And I loved horror. And this is from a company called full moon that went kind of off the deep end but when they started they were pretty legit in making um low budget horror films and this is my favorite one that they've made in the dark past humans were their prey and blood was their life i'm rado i'm tim before killing begins again now in modern day Transylvania, eternal evil has reawakened. I'm afraid for you. She makes me want again. I must destroy him. Subspecies, starring Michael Watson and Angus Scrim of Phantasm. Subspecies, the night has fangs. Ryan, I think the Jared Leto Morbius movie looks a little bit <laughs> off. Uh, my number nine film is a film called Subspecies. Um, it stars Anders Hove as a vampire called Radu. And I love the character design of him. He has really long fingers um, and has Inga Scrum, who's obviously known for Phantasm. Uh, it, it's shot in Transylvania. And uh, Charles Band had this imprint of movies called Full Moon. And what was really cool about him is when you rented the video cassettes, at the end of them, they would have these Full Moon feet. What was it called? Full Moon? Like the... Like it's like a film school. Almost. Yeah. So like at the end, they'd have a making of the film and um, it's like full moon features. But it was really cool to have it on a video cassette. And I mean, it's just a film about a vampire who's in search of this thing called the bloodstone that's said to contain the blood of saints. So basically he can suck on this bloodstone and live forever. And um, 
these girls from America come over and he just starts terrorizing them. And it has really cool like stop motion uh, monsters in it. Um, I actually think Subspecies 2 is my favorite one. Um, How many are there in this series? Is there like four? Okay. I was thinking Uh, six for some reason. There might be more. I know there's four with the name Subspecies in it, but I think there might be a vampire journal that's a spinoff of it. Um, I can't remember. Um, But I have the first three on Blu-ray. I don't think the fourth one's on Blu-ray. But it's, I mean, it's a low budget movie, but for some reason I always really liked it. I think it's really moody. Um, It's pretty violent and... There's nudity in it. Obviously, we saw it in the trailer because um, Charles Band is a lot like a Lloyd Kaufman where yeah. he makes he takes people that are trying to get in the industry and um, he'll put, you know, like a star, like a star in quotes, Angus Crumb in it. And then people like me go, oh, I know that guy. He's boy. And so you <laughs> so you watch you want to watch it for him. And he's really great in it, actually. Um, I, I think it's. Full Moon started off as really kind of cool with Castle Freak and then this film. And then they went really off the deep end. And Ginger now it's, Dead Man. Yeah, it's like Ginger Dead Man and um, other there, weird there's stuff. There's still a place in my heart for oh. the Ginger Dead Man and oh. Demonic <laughs> Toys. Oh, yeah. oh, I love Demonic Toys. Um, puppet Master, man. But they still, uh, they still do Puppet Masters. Yeah, I mean, right? they still yeah. make Puppet Masters. But I, so even Puppet Masters start, and the first Demonic Toys kind of started serious. And then they veered really hard. Got left, super goofy, really goofy. Um, but I, I thought the first demonic toys was really cool. I always loved the Jack in the Box toy. Um, yeah. So yeah, Full Moon. If you stop at like ninety two with Full Moon, you're gonna see some pretty solid horror films. After that, mm, it's kind of funny how their their reputation turned to the super goofy. But yeah. before that, it's like they were putting out like subspecies and puppet master like legit yeah. horror classics yeah does anybody here subscribe to full moon streaming service <laughs> it, it's expensive like i know I mean, charles <laughs> charles band is trying to milk that for every dollar he can get but it does i do know it does have all those film school yeah stuff and they did actually they put a blu-ray out of all the film schools yeah they i mean if you go to his website because i follow him on twitter and facebook um, you can buy all their films on Blu-ray. It's something like three hundred dollars, but it comes in like some really cool box. That box set is badass. Yeah, so it's. Uh, I mean, if you want to support someone who, I mean, he. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing subspecies was maybe a hundred thousand dollars to make, maybe more. But um, well, so when they were making subspecies, even Castle Freak, Charles Band rented a castle and they shot all these movies overseas in a castle, and they just were grinding them out. He's like, "We got this castle in this location. You have to film a movie here." It's like, "Oh, I got this. Uh, you know, this toy movie doesn't matter in the castle. Like, <laughs> every, everything he was doing like took place in this castle you rented. But for. It, it helps. I mean, as subspecies has is actually really well made. Yeah, and it has a great uh, mood to it. It looks um, like it has a Nosferatu type of feel to it. Oh yeah, and uh, like I said, the vampire Radu as Anders Anders Hove. I mean, he's in every one of them and he's really good um he definitely inhabits this creature i'm very charlie band light so i kind of want to check this out you've got them on blu-ray you said yeah okay i'm borrowing borrow. from you yeah they're probably some of the most solid of the full moon yeah library. i'm pretty sure the second one's my favorite one um if i can remember them correctly um i mean the first one's really great but i'll have to maybe i'll watch them sometime this week because there are also horror films that are maybe 79 minutes long. They're really short. <laughs> it's a nice walk in the park. <laughs> yes. Um, Brad, you're number nine. Uh, my number nine is probably most famous for being the Daily Show moment of Zen during the Killborn years. Oh. <laughs> 
Correctional facility where the laws of survival take precedence over the laws of man. Only the strongest will come out alive. Yeah, so my number nine is the story of Ricky, Ricky O. Um, that trailer does not do it justice no, at all. not even a little bit. <laughs> um, it's like one of the... It's, yeah, it's this gory uh, kung fu in prison movie, which I guess must be based on a graphic novel based on the trailer because uh, it has all those illustrations in it. Um, but yeah, Ricky, uh, I haven't seen it since like early 2000 because uh, it actually played at the Mayan. Um like a midnight thing but yeah ricky goes to prison and then he just fights a bunch of people trying to kill him in prison and it's super violent this is like a yearly watch for me and i'm kind of pissed at myself drop dead fred 100 percent would not have been on my list <laughs> realized riccio came out in 91 like yeah. it's so it's so over the top gory like i i reference this movie in my movie adam the amazing zombie killer there's a scene in riccio where um his arms get slashed so he can't make a fist so he pulls his tendons out That's and crazy. wraps them around his arm <laughs> so he can make a fist it's fucking bad it's weird too like the like the main like prison guard has a fake eye that he stores mints in for whatever reason and he's just like eating mints that he keeps in his eye cavity <laughs> and yeah it's I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I. So you have it on DVD or something? I yeah, I have it on DVD. Like the old Tokyo Shock DVD release of it when it first came out. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had a re-release on Blu-ray in 2011 that I was like, oh, like you know, I'll wait a little bit. But now that Blu-ray is like 50 bucks or something. So mm. yeah, it's hard to get. So, but yeah, I really want to watch it again because I haven't seen it in a long time. But that. Time long ago is like, (laughs) and also like it wasn't on my list until I double checked my list recently. And then I saw it on there. It's like, oh, that's got to get on there. So yeah. Number nine. Sweet. I've, I've never seen it, but it's referenced a lot. 
And I mean, I've seen clips from it because it's so infamous. Yeah, like I said the Daily Show moment is yeah. in during the Kilmore years was like just that one punch. <laughs> you you can't even guess what's gonna happen in that movie. It's all set in a prison, and then like there's a guy who will be walking to the bathroom, and his face gets taken off with a wood plane. Because so, <laughs> like, why not? Because <laughs> yeah. those are just on the floor in prisons. It's... Well, I love the idea of him wrapping his tendons around his fists. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Zach. All right. My number nine. Um, there's a plethora of horror films from 1991, and this was uh, difficult because I haven't rewatched things like People Under the Stairs in a while, so that things like that didn't make the list. But Meh. something that I, I like the movie, but it's That's been all right. Um, but something that I watched for the first time not too long ago did leave a great impression on me, and it's from the director of a little film called Society. Herbert West is not just your ordinary doctor. Others dare not dream what we are about to do. He intends to make medical history. This is no longer about just reanimating the dead. With the help of Daniel Kane. It's never going to work. It's going to be uncontrollably spastic. And a few select friends. West took my body, but he cannot take my mind. He's about to bring his dream to life. God created woman. Someone old. What's dead is dead. Someone new. It is some kind of joke, right, man? How dare you judge my work? Someone borrowed. Who is she? Someone blue. This is morbid doodling with human body parts. Is this what it's all about? Something so shocking. It must be true. There! <laughs> the vague ideas of H.P. Lovecraft combined with I want to remake Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> and that gets you Bride of the Rean- Bride of Reanimator so uh, Dan and Herbert are back up to their old schemes of creating body part creating life out of death um, so the reason why this left an impression on me is the same reason society left impression on me and it's the, the shunting work- it's the yes <laughs> it's funny this is the kid version of the shunting if you think (laughs) like because the shunting goes into absolutely nonsense direction but bride of reanimator does genuinely feel like a sincere homage to bride of frankenstein not just for the idea of like we're going to make the bride character but those scenes where he shows like all the different little crazy creatures he's made out of fingers and whatnot that ties right back into when James Whale did it for Bride of Frankenstein when Dr. Pretorius is showing his little 
freaking shrunk down people in jars. <laughs> like so, so like Yuzna and Gordon, who's were kind of helped producing it, like they they tap into like okay, we're going to homage the things we love, but we're gonna amp it up. We're gonna have a severed head of Carl flying around like a bat <laughs> with freaking psychic powers, and we're going to have uh, a, a a a more than insane third act that basically sends somebody like Herbert West down and Jeff Combs is a delight to watch in these movies. I am still not seeing beyond reanimator yet. So like I've slowly been making my way through reanimator apart from the first one, which I had seen before. There's a jumping penis that goes attacks people and beyond. I am <laughs> on board. Sounds like hilarity. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I these movies are fun. Um, I, the, I think that I, I'm I'm sad that it's taken me so long to get to the sequels because they are a shit ton of fun and Bride is Bride is pretty freaking fantastic. So yeah, if you haven't seen Bride or Reanimator, check it out. And if you're and if you're wondering what society is, you might actually want to do this with a double bill and just fucking go nuts because uh, Brian Yuzna has a very intriguing sense of humor. <laughs> do society first so you're not leaving all the oh, oh oh yeah 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 so- society society is a movie that will leave you like shattered internally into terms of like especially in the world we live in today but also just from the fact of like the shunting is absolutely gross <laughs> and absolutely terrifying james this is the movie i told you that you would never want to see ever but bride of reanimator you might like i i, re- I remember society yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You looked at gifts of society instead of watching the movie Society. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my number nine, Bride of Reanimator, or I'm sorry, H.P. Lovecraft's Bride of Reanimator. Thank you, uh, Zach. Number eight. So my number eight, my number eight could only be described as a swaggering bulldozer of a flick, as said by Cracked Magazine. It was incredible, and I saw the whole thing turn right into a big mess of green goo. So you'd say you witnessed a subhumanoid meltdown? Life is full of miserable chores, like washing windows and fighting in wars. So good. It's almost like you've got a mouth down there. Some humanoids are never born from female egg and semen seed. The BMA from night till dawn, they're the ultimate product of corporate greed. When you kiss them, if they're smelly, they got an extra set of lips. 
Swaggering bulldozer of a flick. So yeah, my number eight is Class of Nukem High Part 2, Subhumanoid Meltdown. So in Class of Nukem High Part 1, it took place in a high school, Tromaville High School, which exploded at the end of the movie. So they uh, bulldozed it, and they built the Tromaville Institute of Technology, TIT, <laughs> on its campus. And, uh, and it centers around uh, the school newspaper reporter, uh, Roger Smith, played by Brick Bronski. And he... Uh, he becomes part of this uh, experiment that they're doing where they're just offering college boys sex for money. And, uh, <laughs> and then he finds out, you know, through a series of events that these are clones that, that um, the Nukamama Corporation is making to uh, be slaves for the human race. And they, the way you could tell that they're, they're, they're these uh, clones or subhumanoids is they all have mouths on their belly button. And uh, meanwhile, also because there's a nuclear power plant nearby, a giant <laughs> nuclear squirrel is attacking the school. Um, and then there, instead of the Cretans, there's this gang called the Squirrels, and it's just a bunch of like gross-looking punk rockers attacking the school. <laughs> this movie encompasses everything I love about trauma movies. There's boobs, blood, beasts, green slime, neon tank tops, like... Everybody you see is either extremely gross looking or extremely good looking. So it's it's just like a fun never, party movie. Never a middle ground. Definitely. <laughs> 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 yep. <laughs> there is lots of nudity in the trailer, which I appreciate, <laughs> and in the film. So <laughs> I I, re I I recall watching Nukem High, the first Nukem High. I don't think I've ever seen part two. So. That's it's it's fun and now now there's uh there's five Nukem High movies altogether right now wow. so so none of which really tie into any of the others so <laughs> just hop on in wherever sweet <laughs> continuities for losers as as they say in the trauma film Terra Firmer continuities for pussies <laughs> <laughs> so yeah class of Nukem High Part Two Subhumanoid Meltdown. <laughs> James, number eight. 
Uh, yeah. So moving forward on my list, uh, every single movie on this list is a movie that I absolutely adore. Uh, my number eight is a movie that normally you would think like, oh yeah, that's totally like a ringer you're putting on my list. But no, no, screw you. This movie is not a ringer. This is genuinely on my list because this movie is awesome. Here's my number eight. On the coast of Southern California, you can only surf. Party. And make love for so long before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. 27 banks in three years. Everybody's Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook. Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. And you think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point break. Adios, amigo! Ryan, have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? <laughs> Maybe on later on in the film explosion. <laughs> I am Rufio at this in this scenario. Oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. That's uh, okay. <laughs> but you know, trust me, I'm I'm gonna do worse things here very soon. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Point Break is amazing. Uh, it's a super awesome, fun movie where Keanu Reeves goes undercover as a surfer to stop bank robbers. Um, and you shouldn't really have to defend this movie at all because um, when Vin Diesel remade this movie, uh, this movie is so good that Vin Diesel, when Vin Diesel remade it, he created an entire film like franchise empire that is still going today. And it's like, what, 15 films long, right? Um, I think it's about family. family. Point Break, still better than Fast and the Furious 1. Like, just yeah. cooler. Um, and I never did see that remake. Did anybody watch that remake? Nope. nope. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Uh, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves fun love. Uh, the Tank Girl is in it. Um, yeah, it, um, man, they dress up like presidents to rob banks. I don't know. It's just cool. Why wouldn't you watch? Why are you even listening to this now? Like, go watch Point Break. Holy shit! I'm gonna go watch Point Break. Oh, they jump out of out of planes like behind me, and see how yes. much they love each other. They do. Ugh. That's why he, he shoots his gun in the air. And yeah, it's great. Point Break is awesome. So that's my number eight. <laughs> uh, my number eight is a sequel and a half. Washington, D.C., where violence explodes every day. But America's toughest cop is pounding a new beat. Lieutenant Drebber. The police squad is back. Freeze! Is this some kind of bus? Very impressive, yeah. They're ready for action. How you doing, Trooper? Ready for love. I'm lonely, I'm lost, I need someone to hold, to love. Frank, over here. And ready for seconds in the movie that proves... You can lead a cop to water, but
but you can't make him think. The water's over there, Frank. Starring Leslie Nielsen. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. If it's not dangerous, he's not interested. Priscilla Presley as the irrepressible Jane. Robert Goulet as Quentin Habsburg. The truth hurts, doesn't it, Habsburg? Oh, sure. Maybe not as much as jumping on a bicycle with a seat missing, but it hurts. George Kennedy as Captain Ed Hawken. Congratulations. I understand that Edna's pregnant again. Yes, and if I catch the guy who did it. And O.J. Simpson as Nordberg. Step out. If you only seen one movie this year, you ought to get out more often. The Naked Gun 2 and a half. The Smell of Fear. Give me the strongest thing you got. This is a sequel so big, they had to add another half. Uh, my number eight is The Naked Gun 2 and a half. The Smell of Fear. Um... Yeah, the plots aren't really important in these films. Just know that it's really stupid. And uh but I love these kind of movies. My wife can't stand them. As you can see later on in my list, another one pops up. Um but yeah, it's it's from I, I finally saw Police Squad because it came out on Blu-ray and watching those movies and watching Police Squad, I think Police Squad is way more brilliant than uh most TV shows. Um Leslie Nielsen got a second career because of these films where, you know, when the naked gun came out, he just started doing these silly. He was like movies. a sex star before. Yeah. That. Um, I don't know. I just, I just always love these movies and it, it's, they're hard to describe why you like them because they just are funny and silly and there's jokes a minute. Like a lot of Zucker brothers films, you know, it's just, this, 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 and maybe one joke might not land, but if you watch it long enough, you'll definitely laugh at the film. Um, yeah, my number eight is The Naked Gun, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear. Brad, your number eight? Uh, my number eight, I'm sorry I had to put this low, but I, I love seven other things, so. Sorry, James. <laughs> To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? Ow! What? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What do we got here? What are you supposed to do? Is it a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? Are you trying to kill you? 
yourself? I like it. Uh-oh, we got company. You steer, I'll push. Or what? I will not rocket, Eddie. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Keep your eyes open for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. <laughs> They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Let him have it! Hand over the rocket! Go get him, kid. I'm really glad Brad did that because the Rocketeer's my number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Took a bullet for you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number eight's the Rocketeer. It's fun. Uh, character design super cool. Uh, 1930s era <laughs> swashbuckling jetpack. Story. I wasn't going to say anything mean, but now, now I will say uh, it's the best comic book adaptation before Spider-Man One. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Nineteen ninety. Batman eighty-nine can shove it. <laughs> let's dare be, you. Let's be frank, though. It's not the best forties serial homage to ever exist. But it's not. It's a comic book adaptation by Dave Stevens. It's from like the eighties. Forties aesthetic wise, the best we comic talk book about... movie made before Spider Man. I think or X Men. However, wherever those two laid out, right? The the modern re release of of comic book movies. Okay. I feel like Zach just totally didn't remember Indiana Jones exists. So. Okay, the ones made. Yeah, in yeah. The 90s. Go upstairs. One's made, <laughs> ones made in the nineties. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm sure James is going to talk a lot, a lot more about this movie, so I'll just let him have that. <laughs> you stole it from him, and you're going to just let him have his moment. I just did, like the movie. You, That's yeah, all I can say. Did yeah. you even see this one? Is this another Muppet situation? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I keep meaning to get the Blu-ray and don't. Brad, I shouldn't give you too hard a time. At least you put it on your list. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't put my favorite movie on your list, so. <laughs> well, but that's because I was being nice to you, but still. <laughs> I mean, not really, because I'd probably rather watch City Slickers, but still. Oh, man. <laughs> Zach, real nerd. All right. My number eight is a movie that, while I haven't seen it in a while, I remember really loving it, um, and I'm a Ron Howard fan, and I'm a Kurt Russell fan, so put those two together, and what do you get? Pretty weird episode of Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> It's like organized confusion. Over over uh, three, four hundred degrees in temperature. And then you just got these guys that are running into this building. Everybody else is running out. And these lunatics are running in. Is that a real Chicago fireman's outfit I see on you? It's in the blood, Willie. When I heard that both McCaffrey brothers were being assigned here at this station together, my heart was filled with a, a sudden desire to transfer. Brian, <laughs> damn you! Let's just have one drill, Lieutenant. Now one for the company and one for me. You have a bad day here. 
somebody dies. Check that door for heat. I mean, is that an accident or is it ours? I'll give that answer as soon as I do. We're starting to get the feeling that your office is dragging out this case. Floor's gonna be on fire in one of these. Well, when the door's open, if it's hot, don't get out. They show me a fire truck. So you punched out a window for ventilation. Was that before or after you noticed you were standing in a lake of gasoline? shouldn't have had him up there in the first place. You burned him, Steven! Got a stone killer trying to make a point. Three guys have died already this year because of the cuts made by your task force. Yeah, my, I, I just enjoy this on a kind of like a pure like this doesn't exist anywhere else level of like firefighter mystery movie with some killer fire effects. I think one of like the the most memorable thing for me apart from Jaws at, on the Universal tram ride is was the backdraft like when we were kids. So I I just get a kick out of the film and it's been a while since I've reseen it, but uh, it's this. It's got a stacked cast between Kurt Russell, Scott Glenn, Donald Sutherland, and Robert De Niro all milling around. Oh, and there's a Baldwin brother in there, but who cares? The other people are important, and he's just kind of walking around as our, our lead hero, but we care about everybody else, in my opinion. So, um, and yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know the production of this film, like the back of my head, but I'm fairly sure that these fire effects were like like some of the most innovative of, like at the, at the moment like howard actually went through and like they were working towards like creating these like grand I bet there's a bonus feature on the dvd where they have real firefighters telling you about how dangerous the fire is and that how they uh help the actors cope with what it's like to be in a fire the actors actually trained at a firefighter uh, yeah, academy I mean. and how the cops just got in their way the whole time yeah totally <laughs> here first <laughs> <laughs> So I know I you know I I the movie's cool. I always just thought it was way too melodramatic. Um But that's but that's why it's not like at the top. Like it's just like a fun cheesy detective movie but with firemen. 
Detective Fireman. (laughs) (laughs) But it is like when their pancake breakfast goes wrong. And you know what? Maybe this is a sign for like how one note the movie ultimately would be is because they did try to make sequels to this and I've still never seen them. But what can you do after you've solved the crime of who is the arsonist? Dark man. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't find him, we'll all be fired. (laughs) (laughs) This chili is only four alarms. (laughs) Yeah, there's a backdraft too, isn't there? Yeah. Yes, no there idea. is. There was probably with none of these people. It's in a it. directed video thing, so that's. Mm. I kind that. of really want to watch Backdraft Two. I've never seen Backdraft <laughs> One. But, uh, <laughs> You're just gonna go straight into Backdraft. Backdraft Two <laughs> sounds pretty, pretty interesting. Like right up my alley, a straight to video Backdraft. <laughs> backdraft. The future. And instead of William Baldwin, they have Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> the the fire effects in that one, they just have pieces of paper burning in front of the lens. <laughs> It's like the thing that makes a two at the fire. <laughs> but yeah, again, it's been a while. Maybe I'll go rewatch it tonight after recording, but backdraft. Can't go wrong with a little Kurt Russell in your life and some Ron Howard in your life. Unless it's Hillbilly Elegy, in which case, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but everybody says it's garbage. So, Other Zach, you're number seven. I say it's time for the Mamushka. Such beauty. How can I compete? You're twice the woman I am. Look, a new chapter. Don't torture yourself, Gomez. That's my job. So, yeah, my number seven is Adam's Family. I love this, this one. It's crazy that... Adam's Family existed as a TV show and a comic, but the 1991 movie, the aesthetic is considered canon for what you think of for Adam's Family. Um, M. Bison, he's playing Gomez Adams, so... <laughs> Game over. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a fun movie, you know, where they're creepy and kooky. Um, I was Uncle Fester for Halloween in 1991 because of the Adam's Family, so... Um, yeah, it's just like a, every Halloween this movie gets thrown on, and it's surprising to me that there's only a, one sequel to this because it's such a beloved franchise and casting. Like they just nailed everything about the Adams family. My kid loved the animated film that came out, the new one. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, I go. Eh, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it looks cool. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. I feel like there's a bunch of films from this era that had the same plot of like someone at the patriarch's work like has someone who's trying to like swindle money out of them (laughs) or like has a long lost relative um 
I think the Flintstones had this plot too, or um, fuck, what was the other one? Like one of the Adam Sandler movies or something. Yeah, but this reminds me of that era a lot. I mean, who who doesn't love a long lost Uncle Fester? He's so unrecognizable. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, you're right though. It it is interesting how the TV show doesn't really play into pop culture now but the film really does you know when you're thinking about um angelica houston and stuff like that that's who you think of as these uh characters that's an interesting point that i didn't even think of until you told me it's and yeah i mean 91 it's a pretty awesome year for family films i feel like if there if i didn't have other movies that were above this like this should be higher. It feels weird that I have it at number seven for me. So, but there's you know six yep. other movies. Good math. Math is dumb. <laughs> if you ever lost, there is a number in the corner. Impossible. I still got to do the math forward. Five and up. I'm good. But we're in, <laughs> we're in sketchy territories with the numbers for me right I'm now. always like that too. James, number seven. All right. Well, it's uh, it's time to really start getting in trouble here. Um, my number seven is uh, one of my favorite Linda Hamilton vehicles. Here's number seven. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, Sherry, and we provide the rest. Let's go! Bonjour! Bonjour. 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 Hello. I want adventure in the great white somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. No As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. I wanna guide a guest Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot Linda Hamilton's not in the animated version. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast is my number seven because uh, it's awesome. Uh, was always one of my favorite like animated, you know, one of my favorite Disney movies from of that era when I was a kid. Um, I mean, yes, it teaches a bad lesson. It is one of those that when I show my daughter, I'm going to be at like, okay, this isn't how this works. Uh, but uh still um really love it i always thought it was really beautiful um and also teaches some good lessons about like giving people second chances and like seeing through the outer exterior and things like that so you know it you win some you lose some um but yeah uh beauty and the beast sorry corinne uh that's my number seven sorry corinne how do you know it's not on my list a lot higher <laughs> I mean, it may be, but it is. You know, but that's but okay. It's not gonna be like super high. Like if you're if it's your number five, I don't feel so bad. No, it's super high, but that's okay, James. It, it also teaches you the power of puns. Like if it ain't baroque, don't fix it. Well, thank you for at least putting it on there because it'll, it'll spare us having to hear about it from Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> um, like when we we missed the Little Mermaid, apparently. 
Yeah. <laughs> we. Did we? Yeah, did we really? We didn't because Divine never got to play Ursula. So, Well, you know, exactly. I, I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to the show because she would have had a hard time. That's her favorite Disney film. Mermaid? Really? Little Mermaid, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, the greatest Disney film of all time is Pinocchio, animated. I'm just saying I was sabotaged in the movie Madness. <laughs> One, two, because Corinne made it where we went, We had to go against our own movies in the opening round. I really didn't like that. It's her thing. I get it. But the one uh, thing that we got the most votes for is when me and Brad were just making fun of each other <laughs> and um, telling people that they had to vote for us. You know, but you know, you guys didn't vote for the one Disney movie that had ventriloquist dummies in it. So I don't want to hear your whining. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, Beauty and the Beast is a great film. It shows up later on my list. Uh, my number seven, too, is The Rocketeer. Um, I won't talk a lot about it because James will, and he is uh, waxes way more poetically about films. So I will just say that when I was preparing this list a few months ago, because I sent my list to Brad really early. Um, Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. And when I show, I was showing it to my kid, and I love this movie, and I was just was hoping that he would like it, too. And when he laughs and was having fun with it and wanted to watch it again, then I knew that he liked it. And, you know, he likes it for the dude on the rocket who can fly around and pushes the car with a rocket. Um, I like it. I like it for the uh, aesthetic and the it's just a fun film, you know. Uh, so, yeah, James will talk about it later. But I'm glad that my child liked the Rocketeer as well. Me too. Brad, number seven. Uh, my number seven is a fun little comedy of errors. The year is 1931, and gangster Snaps Provolone is in control. The police are powerless. His rivals are helpless. No one in the entire city dares to defy him, except his daughter. I'm a modern 30s woman. Look! Put that away! I'm your father! She'll do anything, anywhere, with anybody. Your daughter and I are lovers. What? Did he tell you I was pregnant? What? Touchstone Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in the story of a father. What we need is a husband. Trying to find someone. But no look at us. Who will marry his daughter. I've decided to go away to a convent. Well, you're a little late. Ah! Maybe it'll be Anthony. But I love Thornton. Or Thornton. I or Oscar. Who's Oscar? He's got pimples. Couple of dates with you and that'll clear up. But whoever she decides to spend her life with. You mean she's having the chauffeur's baby? It's sure to ruin his life. I just came from Lisa's bedroom. You and everybody else. Sylvester Stallone. Oscar. Oh, yeah. My number seven is Oscar. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is, I forget the character's name, like Tommy Ravioli or something. Um, and his daughter is trying to get back at him because um, he's like making, he's putting all these rules against her. So she pretends to be pregnant. And then uh, with uh, this guy, Oscar's baby. And so like the whole movie's trying to figure out like who's Oscar. And there's always like conflicting, there's, there's multiple storylines that, run into each other and uh as you try to figure out who's who and um yeah there's like a ton of it's like a huge ensemble thing and it, it feels very much like and i think it is a play uh but it very much like takes place it almost feels like it's a single shot movie yeah um yeah the production design is great i haven't seen it in a long time but 
reliving the trailer, I said, man, I should watch this again. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while either. That's why I'm blank on a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, it's it flies by so fast and it's so like fast paced. And um, yeah, like Tim Curry's in it and uh, Marissa Tomei. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a fun kind of bottle episode type movie. Um, yeah. And like Stallone's good as like not just an action character. He's... <laughs> A leading comedy. Late. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, Oscar, my number seven. Zach, number seven. All right. My number seven is uh a Spike Lee entry that I don't what? Th- I don't think it holds up insanely well compared to some of these other films that I've put on lists, but there is a subplot in this movie that is absolutely uh, harrowing and features a big, big debut for a very, very successful actor. Why are we out here tonight, Flipper? All right, you got to promise me that you're not going to tell anyone. My lips are sealed. Come on, what happened? All right, but you got to swear. I mean, this is like swearing a stack of Bibles, swearing like a zillion rosary beads. I, I swear on my great-grandmother, okay? We swear, we swear what? I, I cheated on Drew. I'm seeing somebody. You two time Who are you seeing? Oh. I thought you were going to drop a bomb. I... And what is he, like blonde, blue-eyed surfer type? Hey, kids. Right? <laughs> She's white. White! Man, you... Hey, well, he's black. If your father ever found out, I don't know. She's Italian. H-bomb. From Vincenthurst. Nuclear megaton bomb. Hey, look, this is the 90s. There's nothing wrong with it, you know? The both of you's got jungle fever. Spike Lee. Welcome to the Taj Mahal. Eight wonder of the world. Yeah, the mama wants to know where the TV is. It's right here. Me and Viv smoking the color TV. Jungle Fever. Wesley Snipes. Annabella Shiora. Spike Lee. Ossie Davis. Ruby D. Samuel L. Jackson. Lynette McKee. John Turturro. Frank Vincent. And Anthony Quinn. We got a big problem. You and her. Original songs by Stevie Wonder. All right. So my number seven is Jungle Fever, a uh, Spike Lee joint from '91 that features Wesley Sipes and Annabella Cerio, um, uh play uh, two people who uh, have enough, who have enough, get involved into an affair. And a lot of the friction deals with the fact that it is an interracial relationship. Um, and how those two different elements of the culture clash. Um, so I don't, it's been a while since I've rewatched it. I need to go back to it, but I, 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 from my recollection, the main plot of the film 
involving the affair may not hold the same water as it does today um, in terms of how the dialogue approaches it and how Spike Lee approaches it. But am I the only one who's seen the movie before? No, I've seen it, and I don't mm, I don't want to get in trouble with this, but my biggest problem with Spike Lee films is they're racist with, with in this, ve- this veil that they're not because I don't think he writes um, white characters well, and the reaction that the women have to him dating a white woman, I think is really inappropriate. Mm. Understand. Um, so the reason I'm asking if anybody's watched it is because, so since you've seen it, do you remember the subplot with his brother Gator, uh, played by Samuel Jackson? Vaguely, you okay. may have to refresh me. One of the big reasons that I love this movie has to do with the fact that Samuel Jackson, up until this point, he hadn't been getting. He was more of a side character. He was in Do the Right Thing as the DJ. He was in Coming to America as the guy who robs the uh, the uh, the restaurant. So, <clears throat> uh, Spike Lee gave him a role of a crackhead in the movie called Gator, who one of the trademark parts of the performance is that in order to try to get money out of his mother, he would dance for her. Um, and it leads to a lot of tragic imagery as a result in the movie. The movie ends up taking a diversion in a couple of different directions. And one of them is discussing the troubles with inner city drug use and the poverty that stems off of that. And there's a shot in the movie of Wesley Snipes basically like, strolling through this crack house and it is like the most desolate image you will ever see that really does capture the consequences of drug use and the consequences of what's happened when that poverty is left to stand. Um, And Samuel Jackson is so good in this movie that I believe it's the Cannes Film Festival had to create a Best Supporting Actor Award just to give him something for his performance. This is the really the first step that then takes him into the Pulp Fiction world with Quentin because he actually auditioned for Reservoir Dogs and didn't get in. But this is the stepping stone for Sam Jackson. So, um, again, I don't know if the entire movie holds up from our standpoint. I remember thinking Frank Vincent and Anthony Quinn and Snipes are all pulling off wonderful work. But, again, I don't know how the story works. And I do remember feeling like out of all the movies where Spike Lee put himself in this, it's the one film of his that I don't like his performance in. So um, that all being said, it's a movie I do recommend people check out. It's not going to be for everybody. Um, I understand that Lee is not the is not a favorite for with everybody, but if you are uh, if you are looking for an intriguing film in the '90s that does attempt to tackle some serious issues um, outside of its main plot, this is a good um, place to start. So. So, yeah, my number seven, Jungle Fever. Yeah, like I've always said with uh, Spike Lee films, and my biggest problem with them is uh, not that he's he, – I think he can direct well, and I think he makes things look good. Um, but I think his um, – sometimes his writing, while it's praised, I think because of um, who he is and how he writes um, white people – I'm not trying to sound like, you know, whatever – but I think sometimes he goes really overboard. And that's my biggest problem with Black Klansman, too, is he takes a true story and he amps up the racism done by um, the white people in it, which didn't really happen. And I and I get he's trying to tell a story for cinematic purposes. And that's my, always been my biggest problem with Spike Lee is he's he he's making it about um, black voices, which do have do need their films. But I don't like the 
the caricatures that he makes of everybody else. And I, he might be doing it on purpose, whatever. But that's why he's never connected with me. And I think his best movie is Inside Man. <laughs> but um, yeah, I will say that the a big reason that I kept this on the list, um, even though like I, I mean, I, I again, I want to go back through the main plot and find like how how does it hold in a thirty year span? Well, that's what I mean too. You know, I mean, they have a little snippet of it there. I mean, they're attacking this woman because she's white and she's dating a black guy. I mean, that's racist. Um, I'm but, just saying. <laughs> but I will say that if um, if you look if you are if you are looking for early Sam Jackson and to see like where he like where he gets his first big moment to truly shine before Quentin puts him in Pulp Fiction, this is the movie. Oh like, no, I'm not saying he's one. not good in it. Just like I mean, there's performances in this film. But I, I I just I just don't like the hypocrisy. Um, anyway, that's my number seven. Yep. Jungle Fever. There's my political stance. Zach? Well, I think the only place to go from jung- Jungle Fever is, um, how about a bu- booger sandwich, bumper lips? <laughs> Touchstone Pictures. Monstrous trolls have sprung to life. Catch your hope you're from Keebler. And now, Ernest P. Worrell is springing into action. He'll try anything. I know Tai Chi Kung Fu Chowman. And everything. Your shoes untied. To save the day. It's showtime. Yeah. It's Ernest P. Worrell in a brand new movie. Ernest Scared Stupid. How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? You know what I mean? Starts Friday, October 11th at a theater near you. We need to get John Cherry to do a <laughs> definitive Ernest Blu-ray set. I will. <laughs> so, yeah, my uh, number Criterion. six is... I, I would 100% buy a Criterion. Like, if it was like the Godzilla set where it has yes. a coffee table book. <laughs> it's about Ernest movies. One of the discs could be like his old used car commercials. Oh, God. But, yeah, number six is Ernest Scared Stupid. And, I mean... It's it's an Ernest movie that has the highest budget of any Ernest movie. Is it the most popular one? Because I'm pretty sure. I mean, I grew up watching it. Oh, it's got to be Camp. You think going to? Goes I to don't camp? know. I would say no, no. Scared Stupid, but then Camp is like right underneath it. But Scared Stupid has to be. I loved Ernest movies as a kid. The only reason I didn't put this on my list is because this one scared the poop out of me when I was little. <laughs> It I didn't like stupid, watching huh? Ernest Scared Stupid because it was it scared me. There, I didn't I didn't like it. it. wasn't even the mon. It was like the fear of the monsters. Ugh. So I I still can't go back and watch it. I'm like nah. I'm I'm all right. I'll watch I'll watch Goes to Jail and be disappointed. <laughs> he bites the pin in jail and turns electric. He gets superpowers. <laughs> but this one's great. It like has you know good kinder trauma like you're saying like the bleed up to the troll attacking the kids. And it's like, you're like the same age as the kids that are like getting turned into wooden monster or wooden like figurines. <laughs> like it's creepy. And the trolls they So the effects were done by the Chiodo brothers. Mm. And what they did was they took the costumes from killer clowns in outer space and they painted them to look like these trolls. So you can watch both movies back to back and recognize the same characters just with a different paint job. <laughs> so, but, Good way to save money. Yeah, I and it's it's just ridiculously fun. Ernest mm. sprays monsters down with milk. Hey, so heck, man, you get Eartha Kitt in this movie. What, what's not to love? You get Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, God, this was like this was the Ernest movie me and my sister watched the most. Yikes. Yeah, James, I think this is the superior one, hands down. But yeah, number six, Ernest scared stupid. James. Number six. Uh, cool. Number six. 
Um, so I will remind you a couple things. I love all of these movies. Uh, and yes, I think this is one of the greatest action films of all time. Here's my number six. Taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. What it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission. Get down. Is to protect it. Mom! Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy. He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. Is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two. Terminator 2. You just can't go around killing people. Why? If you thought you had seen it all. Again. Stay down! Go now! We gotta stick together! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time he's back. For good. Trust me. Funny, after listening to that trailer, I wish there was like, I wish we lived in an alternate version of, of reality where the the the, uh, the tagline for this movie was, this time there are two. Because that's like the cheesiest <laughs> tagline you could have for Terminator 2. Um, yeah, uh, my sincere apologies. I won't talk much. Uh, I mean, I think it's, it's a, a, an absolutely incredible movie. Um, but we were actually talking yesterday and... Um, the more I go back to to um, James Cameron's movies, the more I feel like they just don't age well. Um, and so I found in the, la the last time I watched T2 that even T2 suffers from having dialogue that is so cringeworthy that I just want to mute this. <laughs> uh, James, your kid is disagreeing with you. Leona's saying, Daddy, no. Daddy, no. <laughs> uh no, she dropped a strawberry and doesn't give a shit about Terminator 2. Uh, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's amazing and is genuinely one of the greatest action movies of all time. But everything above this list for me is either really meaningful or just a better written movie. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's my number six. Sorry. Cool. Bye. My number six is a repeat again. God, you fucking assholes. I'm Rufio. Um, no, uh, my number six is Point Break. Um, it's another action movie that's totally ridiculous. Uh, I don't think Keanu Reeves is very good in it, but I, I love his lines like, I'm in the FBI and things like that. Cause it's not really his fault that the dialogue is stupid. It's just, he's given stupid dialogue and he has to deliver it. Um, but the movie itself is 
a lot like Roadhouse for me, where it's totally stupid, but it's really awesome at the same time. You know, if I was a bad guy, I'd want to go out riding a huge wave because <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, Point Break is really fun. Yeah, yep. I'll go watch Point Break. <laughs> you should. Brad? Uh, my number six is a movie that I always think of as like being okay, and then I'll see it, and then I'll get sucked into it and be like, oh, yeah, this movie's great. Um, but weirdly, uh, you know, when Halloween comes around, people throw it on there as a, as a horror movie, but it's really just a thriller for me. So my number six is this. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? Thank you, Clary. Thank you. My number six is The Silence of the Lambs. Um, yeah, it's just a cool thriller. Um, no, you're right. It's yeah. a cool yeah, thriller. Yeah, you're right. I, I haven't watched it in a while. So. You know what I always laugh about Silence of the Lambs, though? And, and, and something like Dress to Kill. So you have um, a really a big director. You have great stars. And at the end of the day, it's a slasher movie where Hannibal Lecter is slashing people and killing them, but because of who's behind it, they go, oh, best movie of the year. Um, and it, But no, I mean, the movie's fantastic, and it has great moments in it. Uh, I mean, I think the writing is what elevates it in the moments between Clarice and Lecter. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's just funny when you see, well, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins are in this, so it has to be an A-class movie movie when he's you know slicing people up in that yeah you're right like any other b horror movie would, yeah. would get chastised yep. because they've got like a-list talent and yep. when you consider contextually that anthony hopkins wasn't the anthony hopkins we know today it's actually like it, it he's kind of he's coming off of things like elephant man and merchant ivory movies he's not coming off of anything that would suggest that he would be able to tackle this role jodie foster is really the big get because she had already had the pedigree working with Scorsese in the past and working in things like The Accused, so you know. But it 
I agree. It, it, we'll talk a little more about it, but it is interesting how the the pedigree of this film differs from other horror films. So. Yeah, and like watching Hannibal, like I never really put it together, but looking back now, it seems like he's playing Hannibal Lecter as a completely different character in that yeah. movie because mm-hmm. it doesn't match even that trailer. No. Um. So that's curious, like what the conversation was for that to happen. It was called Dino De Laurentiis. That was the conversation. Or no, I also think that it's he became the breakout thing from the film. So now they're trying to like reinvent him and make him, I I mean, more campy, for more sure. of a protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a, just a great thriller, uh, really dark subject matter. Yeah. I mean, in 91, it were, really was, but nowadays it feels kind of tame, but yeah, that's my number six. Sounds of lambs. Zach. All right. My number six um, was supposedly the final voyage of a certain crew, um, at least as they existed as characters, and features some Shakespearean shit. The Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. To offer Klingons a safe haven within Federation space is suicide. They're animals. Jim, they are dying. You, Captain Kirk, are to be our first olive branch. Me? The galaxy stands at a crossroads. This is the Starship Enterprise. We've been ordered to escort you to your meeting on Earth. Guess who's coming to dinner? I have so wanted to meet you, Captain. One warrior to another? Right. On the verge of peace. The undiscovered country. The future. On the brink of war. We come in peace, and you blatantly defy that we haven't fired. According to our data banks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them. Forever. We would consider an attempt to rescue them an act of war. There will never be a better time. This is Captain Sulu, USS Excelsior. We stand ready to assist you. This is fun. You do prefer it this way, as it was meant to be. Warrior to warrior. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. God, that's the worst Red, red Band trailer. <laughs> yes, my number six is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Um, I, I, I'm a if I'm if I have to pick a crew with the Enterprise, it's the OG crew first and foremost. Um, it's the series I go back to the most. This is the series of movies I go back to the most. Um, that includes the Abrams three. Um, this one is like, I think this one grew in appreciation for me. It didn't start out as one of my favorites, but I think knowing Brad actually kind of um, helped me appreciate it more because of 
appreciating the mystery angle that's behind this. Like there is a like true blue mystery going on in here. And the idea of dealing with a post Berlin wall scenario with the Klingons um, and the Federation is pretty, pretty interesting to be able to tackle at that point. Um, I think everybody's on their a game here. Like Shatner gets to do everything from, you know, do everything from making love to space creatures to then, you know, kissing himself (laughs) technically because of that scene in the snow. Um, Spock gets to basically play detective and, um, we get set, we get some wonderful like little awkward moments like Chekhov going if the shoe fits wear it and obviously this particular alien creature could never wear those boots, um, and um, and I I do think that there's like a there is a I like the final touching moment of like second start of the right and straight on until morning and then they we get all their signatures at the end it's cheesy as shit but it's it's a lot of fun so um yeah it's it's i, I it's, it's not cheesy it's how you end things uh, avengers endgame did it as well <laughs> i guess it's true <laughs> shit um but yeah so um yeah that's my number 6 it's a it's a fun movie i i'm a star trek fan but i'm not the star trek fan here in this room so i'm going to kind of shut up and let that uh, gentleman speak later Oh, yeah. wait. oh wait, one more thing. Christopher Plummer as a Klingon. It's probably one of the greatest things that's ever happened in cinema history because he he hams that up all the correct amounts. <laughs> it's wonderful. Space is alive with the sound of his phasers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See you guys, he's in the sound of music. Oh, oh you get it? Okay. I don't <laughs> know if you got that joke. <laughs> From 1965. What's the Klingon version of Do Re Mi Fa So La Si Do? But you boy, you do. Special guest Zach, your number five. Well, I, I see there's no courtesy in this room, seeing as my number five was sweeped from me by the other Zach. Fucking dick. Uh-oh. You'll you'll learn. He does it a lot. You're you a deadhead and a nobody. <laughs> my number five is Bride of Reanimator. Oh. And yeah, I might like this one more than the original Reanimator just because of the batshit crazy effects. You know, you got the bad the bad guy's head flying around with bat wings and the crazy like finger eyeball monsters. It's and insane they brought that character back from the first one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, just a lot of fun. I love the neon color lights in that movie. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's basically it's it's just like what's the splat stick version of Bride of Frankenstein? It's Bride of Reanimator, and it's yeah, it's just awesome. If you like eighties early 90s gore horror movies and it's like right up your alley the climax where they're all basically like burying herbert west alive is (laughs) (laughs) it's just like in these tunnels man it's that movie's insane (laughs) i i was fortunate enough i was able to do a double feature with uh the original reanimator and bride of reanimator at the alamo draft house and yeah it's great Third reanimator, I mean, take that if you want to, but the first two are amazing. It's still on the list of things to eventually watch, so. Vestron made, uh, well, the Vestron series has a cool Blu-ray of Beyond. Is it, on? do you know if it's unrated on that, or uh, rated R? Yes. Well, now I need to pick it up. I have the R-rated DVD, yeah. so. Yep. I like the Vestron video series. Too bad they don't make them anymore, really. There, yeah. They put out two last year. And it and was it uh, just stopped. Was it little Maxim- monsters in? Was it a Maximum Overdrive? 
No, Maximum Overdrive was like three years ago. They took like a year off. Fucking Lionsgate. Yeah, fuck (laughs) them. James, number five. Um, yeah. So my number five. Uh, I'm I'm a really big Harrison Ford fan for obvious reasons. Um, because he's awesome. He's awesome. I think you know it's funny because he's he's so often like this kind of quiet, subdued, grizzled guy that you know he ends up being in a lot of action movies and whatever. Um, and has his fair share of of dramas. You know, you've got your witnesses and your Sabrina. Um, but I would say, and, and you know, this isn't conclusive, but I would say this is probably one of my favorite or, or I think one of his best real performances in a movie. Uh, so my number five is this movie. Cancel my lunch tomorrow. I'm going to work through and move the dinner to next week. Mm. And call my wife and tell her I can't make dinner at 730. Fine for the defendant on all counts. Yes. Success made Henry Turner's life perfect. Give me a break, will you? I just want to pack a cigarette. Fate. Henry, I know you can hear me. Made it something more. Cardiac arrest caused lack of oxygen to the brain. It's going to be a long, tough rehabilitation. I'll be your physical therapist for the remainder of the evening. All right. In some ways, he's starting from scratch here. He's stepping like a natural man. Go ahead. Little loop, cross over. How did you learn to do that? You taught me. Such a shame. I mean, he was so good. You've got a life back at home with friends and family and everything you could ever want. They love you. They're going to take care of you. Well, I don't want them to take care of me, Bradley. No, I don't like eggs. What? Eggs are your favorite. Mm Yeah. Okay, give me a lot of eggs. Where were you? I bought a dog. Mom, look! Since you've come home, you haven't made love. If you're nervous or something. Well, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Um, okay, well, really nervous. You did it! Are you my mother? <laughs> I can read! It's not Henry I feel sorry for, it's Sarah. This is Ajax! That's <laughs> It's like she's got two kids now. Dad, stop it. I heard he's back at work. Yeah, but doing what? In this case? East Shore Hospital, your famous last case. What we did was wrong. All we did is bang for our lunch. I thought I could go back to my life, but I don't like who I was, Bradley. You didn't like showing affection in public. It bothered you. I don't mind so much anymore. One minute you're an attorney, the next you're an imbecile. That's not a very long trip. (laughs) You can't let them hurt you, those people. They don't know you anymore. I don't remember what I was like, Sarah. Don't listen to nobody trying to tell you who you are. In love once years ago and then we weren't not for a long time but we're better now please don't walk away not now harrison ford a mike nichols film regarding henry so uh 
uh, regarding Henry is, um, yeah, I mean, you, you listen to the trailer. Uh, Harrison Ford gets shot in the face, forgets who he was, um, and uh, the rest of the movie is him um, having to sort of remember how to do literally anything. Um, and unfortunately, what he what he ends up doing is assessing his old life and his love of Ritz crackers and, um, you know, realizing that he used to be a complete douche and that maybe he should have gotten shot in the face. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an, actually an incredible script and the performances are awesome. The relationship between him and his daughter is so well done. Um, and those moments are so sweet and and, you know, again, Harrison Ford, like, you know, especially if you go, like, watch him in, like, you know, the late show interviews where he's just like, I'm just going to sit here and nod. Uh, like, he's just such this quiet kind of puts on this grizzled look. And then you watch this movie and he's so, like, genuine and vulnerable and um, just fantastic. Um, I think it's an awesome movie. I think it, it has something really wonderful to say that makes it. Um, important. So, uh, yeah, my number five regarding Henry. Um, oh, and this behind me is J.J. Abrams playing the pizza man. <laughs> no, I don't think he can direct a Mission Impossible. It seems ridiculous. Um, you know, I've been seeing the movie in a while, so I couldn't uh, assess where I liked it. But watching the trailer again, I go, oh man, I love this movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, my number five. So one of my favorite things I've been doing on this podcast for many years is I go back and I watch the filmography of a certain actor. Um, so, you know, I've done Cary Grant. I'm working on Kate Blanchett right now. Tom Cruise, Jason Statham, Carol Lombard, Carol Lombard. I'll probably be doing. And this stars my favorite actor as a producer from behind the scenes. And I didn't know I'd really love this movie, but it's really funny. And um, Sally Field is great in it. And this is my number five. Celeste Talbert had it all. You have so many people to thank. I hate her so much. Beauty, fame, love. That's a cut. But her life. Next time, could you wear a swimsuit underneath the towel? Just turned into one big soap opera. They're plotting against me every day, all day long. There's the greedy actress. I cannot be the villain forever. I'm, I'm sweet, I'm tender, I'm a victim. The sex star producer. You do want me, don't you, David? In the weirdest way. And you know what you have to do. I murder some homeless girl, are you nuts? One weaked out writer. I will just say Maggie went to Tibet to visit the Dalai Lama, spiritual thing. I thought the Dalai Lama moved to L.A. Well, then some other Lama, then. It doesn't matter, Fernando Lama, come on. And the most brilliant actor alive. Rod Randall comes back from Vienna. So, he wasn't killed, he was maimed. The guy was decapitated. They froze the head. How am I supposed to write for a guy that doesn't have a head? All right, well, we haven't figured that out yet. Well, who plays him? Close list. Maybe I should have sent a memo. Things are hard for me right now, in life and on the show, okay? Things were hard for me 20 years ago when you spat me out and left me for dead. At last, drama. Help me! You're kidding. You're an egomaniac. Of course I'm an egomaniac. I've got America's sweetheart climbing up my drain pipe. It's a story of jealousy. If I hurt you, I'm really sorry. I was very young. Not anymore, babe. Lust. Yummy. With a spoon. And family reunions. I'm carrying his child. One more day, we would have had a Greek tragedy on our hands. Where a nervous breakdown. No! I didn't sleep with 
is all in a day's work. This I don't want is a show. You're crazy! Yeah. You're nuts! Now why can't I write stuff like this? Sally Field. I don't think you realize how serious this operation is. Please. You will not have a brain when it is complete. I don't want my brain. I don't need it. Take the thing. It's gone. Kevin Klein. You try playing Willie Loman in front of a bunch of old twits eating meatloaf, chewing and slurping and spitting out their Whoopi Goldberg. You know, I would think you were acting, but you've never been this good. And Robert Downey Jr. I'm gonna seriously review this relationship. In Soap Dish. There's a nurse in the restaurant. Did I miss a meeting? So yeah, uh, my number five is Soap Dish with Robert Downey Jr. and Sally Field. And Sally Field plays this actress on a soap opera called The Sun Also Sets. And she's getting pushed out by the new uh, young people. But what makes a movie really brilliant is it takes place behind the scenes of a soap opera, but it plays as a soap opera with all the characters way over the top. And it's, it's really brilliant. It's really funny. Um, Robert Downey Jr. plays kind of a sleazy producer in it, um, but he's young and a hotshot producer. It's, it's really hard to describe. Just know that it's a soap opera show being filmed but the movie plays out like a soap opera because it's so ridiculous people sleeping with other people um yeah it's soap dish and i'm guessing i'm the only one who's seen this film um i want to this sounds fun yeah it's one of my favorite robert downey jr films just because it's really zany um and i I do have this soft spot in my heart for sally field um i do like her a lot as well you like her you really really like her i do (laughs) Um, you know, she, she was a good aunt may. Uh, I I love that the trajectory of aunt may's went from old to younger and hotter (laughs) is how aunt may is going to be a teenager (laughs) with Peter in in high school. (laughs) How am I older than aunt may? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, soap dish. It's about soap operas, but it's dish out the funny. Um, and also uh, Elizabeth Shue is in it. And I do have this uh, crush on Elizabeth Shue that I've had since I was a kid from Adventures in Babysitting. So that also gets uh, points in my book. <laughs> 91 era Elizabeth Shue. She's making the trailer, though. Yeah. She plays kind of uh, she's a young up and coming lady because she's, you know, that's who's the threat to Sally Field's character. Anyways, number five, Brad, you're number five. Uh, my number five, I don't have a good lead-in for, so I'll just say that Charlie Wilcox is having a bad day. When it comes to intergalactic confrontation, no one can beat Chef Ramsay. Excellent work, Ramsay. So what's next? Why don't you try relaxing? But now, he's about to land in a place even he isn't prepared for. Suburbia. Get to know the locals. Blend in. How do you know which ones are the right ones? You have to squeeze it a bit. Wow, I found a good one. Here, they have strange ways of fighting. You got any idea what we're going to do to you? Let me guess. You're going to pound my face. What are you, nuts? It's the 90s. We're going to sue you. They have bizarre means of protection. Stand back. You are too close. dangers he's never seen. My mom could stay on longer than that. And enemies he's never known. I hate suburbia. 
so you'd better not fake him out. Must be a K-7 force field. I'll break you out of there. Glad I could help. Or take him on. For Hulk Hogan, it's no game. It's war. Do you belong to some kind of army? Or do you just go around doing good like some kind of superhero? Hulk Hogan, Christopher Lloyd. I was frozen today. Suburban Commando. My cat. <laughs> my cat. That's not my cat. Oh. Yeah, the 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 trailer for this was ahead of the Naturals 2 VHS. <laughs> um, and the sci-fi plus um Hulk Hogan angle of it, like I have to I have to see this. Um it's got Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future, so I really have to see this. Um and yeah, it's fun. Uh, Shep, uh Hulk Hogan plays Shep Ramsey, an intergalactic bounty hunter, um, who has to take a uh, a short vacation uh, to one of the places in the galaxy he, he hates the most, uh, the primitive planet of Earth. Um, he has to blend in with the locals uh, until he can get uh, back out into the field. And I forget what the guy who's uh, tracking him is, but he's got like this. There's like this super like super villain, like galaxy super villain who uh, sends a couple of bounty hunters after him and tracks him to Earth. Meanwhile, uh, Shep. Uh, lives with uh, Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall uh, and blends in with his family and in a way kind of solves his problems. He's constantly getting overlooked at work um, and Christopher Lloyd has very little confidence uh, about making his life any better. And uh, you know, these two coming together kind of changes all that. So yeah, it's fun. It's silly. It's stupid. Um, Yeah, it's great. Would you agree with me that it is the best of the the Terry Hogan films in the <laughs> Terry Hogan filmography? This is the cream of the crop. Uh, so there's No Holds Barred, this and Mr. Nanny. Yeah, yeah, this is the best one. <laughs> I don't know, man. No Holds Barred. I, I haven't seen Zeus, so there's that. That yeah. movie's great. <laughs> um, but in this movie, he folds a pipe into the shape of a bunny rabbit. <laughs> And uh, Mr. Nanny does have Buster Poindexter in it with a giant bullet head. No, this is still the best one. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number five is Suburban Commando. So good. Nerd Zach. All right. My number five is from a director that only I like, uh, and it was technically my first Robert Mitchum movie. with this fella. I was his lawyer. But it just shafted him somehow, right? And what was he in prison for? No, really. What, but what did you do? 
Have you been following me? Well, it's a small town. Everywhere you turn, I guess we're gonna run into each other. <laughs> Dad, you should have just punched him out. Yeah, you know how to fight dirty. You do that for a living. This guy, uh, he threatened you? He's clever, so that the law can't touch him. Come out, come out, wherever you are. You have a daughter around 16? 16? What? Every good man's got to wrestle with the devil. I want you the hell off my property! You, sir, will be hearing from the ethics committee. We got this freaking psychopath in our faces. I mean, who knows what's true and what isn't? I'm just losing my mind here. I called the vet, and then he died. Lee, I told you not to let him out. I didn't let him out! I didn't let him out! It would be unethical of me to advise a citizen to take the law into his own hands. You thought about me last night, didn't you? Evening, ladies. Hello. I think we're alone now. Where are you from? I'm from the Black Forest. Maybe I'm a big bad wolf. Do you mind if I put my arm around you? So yeah, my number five is Simpsons season five episode. No, um, uh, it's Cape Fear. It's a remake of the '60s film uh, with uh, Bob Mitchum and Gregory Peck, with Bob Mitchum and Gregory Peck in it. Um, and uh, but our main cast consists of Robert De Niro as Max Caddy, uh, a convicted rapist who could have technically gotten off um, and acquitted on his case, but the his attorney played by. Nick Nolte let it slide and did not give him the proper paperwork, and so he went to jail. And so Max Caddy is out for revenge and sick revenge. This movie is uncomfortable as shit when you watch it. Like, Ma- Max Caddy is a fucking monster. Um, and, uh, th- I mean, he talks during movies, so yeah. definitely, <laughs> that was the definitely one. a monster. I, I, I know you saw that one frame, and you're just like, oh, God, no. <laughs> There's no harm in lying in the middle of the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not the elephants. <laughs> the greatest episode of The Simpsons is the parody of this film. Yeah, that's the thing that we were just talking about is the trailers. As Zach Bynes pointed it out, the, the, the detriment that this movie possesses is that you cannot think of it now without thinking about The Simpsons season five episode with Sideshow Bob basically recreating the Max Caddy role. <laughs> But instead of wasting two and a half hours, you got 28 minutes and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> and you get Gilbert and Sullivan in it. Um, I, I, I'll tell you, like, I, I really like going through Scorsese, Scorsese's films in general. This is one that I don't go back to a lot, but it is super well made. It is super well executed. Um, g- touching back to grabbing the actors from the original film and giving them some side roles and just really kind of playing into this into this over heightened like seedy crime picture it, it's fun to, it's fun to watch it was an co- uncomfortable film but content aside like the way he's shooting like tension and suspense and just really like keeping you on the edge of your seat is fantastic the stuff on the boat it, it just looks beautiful um and yeah like but again like it it, it it is one i don't go back to that often because i, I don't know if the simpsons ruined it for me but like there is a version of Cape Fear that I watch the most, and neither of them are the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and uh, I think I would put this in contention with one of the two scariest scenes in uh, 1991 history: is Max Caddy biting the chief cheek off of Ileana Douglas in this movie. Um, 
So yeah, um, is everybody else like uh, nonplussed by this film? Or <laughs> it, it almost made my list. I do like it, but honestly, the Simpsons did it better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a slap in the face to Scorsese and Bob Mitchum and Gregory. I Mike. think I think they the people take it. hear from Scorsese in the in the future. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure they will. I'm sure his I'm, voice is not going. I'm sure he'll make a great three and a half hour meditation on toxic masculinity, though. Everybody will love. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, also, by the way, this is, the, this is the first Bob Mitchum movie I ever saw. I never saw his early work first. I saw this first and I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who he was at first, but I'm like, oh, this is in his, his Elgar character is interesting. And then you watch Night of the Hunter and you're just like, oh shit, <laughs> which he's clearly trying to catch some Night of the Hunter in this movie. So I don't think he. I don't think he does it the same that he, but he, but he hits on certain themes of like, ch- like child and terror, especially with that scene in the gingerbread, like, or the school play set where he's talking to Juliette Lewis, like, oh God, creepy. But yeah, my number five, Cape Fear. Uh, Zach, you're number five. Oh, no, no, nope. it's... No. What? So what it's happens is on the Blu-ray Aha. is we all are, have repeats. So, so it's it's my number four. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, four. Fudge. Four. You're right. Math is dumb. Yeah. Callback. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my number four, uh, the main character looks like a hood ornament, and I was sweeped. Um, the Rocketeer. I love this movie. It's like an Indiana Jones movie where he has a rocket pack. Um, <laughs> when I was in elementary school, I, I was in one of the, I mean, they told me it was a gifted and talented class, but I, we all had a science fair and this movie inspired me to try to make a rocket pack. So I used like <laughs> uh, a broken shark attack board game, shark and gasoline and parts of a vacuum cleaner. And I don't know how I wasn't stopped by my, <laughs> <Or killed. laughs> my, by my teacher, but <laughs> it didn't happen. But Jennifer Conley's in it. She's super hot in the movie. As W.C. Field says, charmed, doubly charmed. <laughs> As he's staring at her boobs. And when I was in like first grade, I was like, I get that joke. And that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and I, I just love, you know, I, it's like, the ultimate bad guys in these movies are the Nazis, and you see the FBI and the mafia teaming up to fucking kill Nazis. It's a badass movie. <laughs> yeah, any movie where they kill Nazis, I'm on board with. On a Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. We call that Indiana Jones style. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no ticket. But yeah, number four, The Rocketeer. James, number four. Uh, yeah, my number four is a uh, a repeat. A repeat. My number four is um, Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country. Wait a minute, James. My number four is Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country. Oh man, um, it's as I've gotten older, it has become my favorite Star Trek movie. Um, and and it, it's because, like like Zach was saying, you know, it's um, it's it's a great it's cool to have like a space mystery, you know, it feels a bit more like, like real star Trek than, than the other ones, because the other ones are either action movies or a weird slapstick comedy with whales. Um, and this one really feels like this political drama. I know. Hey, don't be offended. Star Trek four is like 
the third best Star Trek movie. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I hope you're not smacking shit down here. No, 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 no. Star Trek 4 is awesome. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, tell me genre it, yeah. Star Trek 4 is. Uh, like, yes, there's time travel, but it's set in the modern day, so it's barely sci-fi. There's whales, and it's mostly funny. What does it mean um, exact change? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Star Trek Six is uh, is really like an episode of the of the show where there's like political intrigue going on, and and but then there's also you know uh, uh, basically like if you took Moss Eisley and made it into a prison, like you just get to have your characters hang out there for a while. Um, it's super cool, like really, and one that I didn't understand very like I didn't understand the plot when I was a kid, so to me it was just like incoherent. Um, but I thought there was a weird, creepy lady who turned into a Wookiee. Um, but, uh, but then when I got older, I was like, this is awesome. Like, it really is my favorite, especially the original, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, first contact in those, but anyway, um, yeah, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek six is my number four. Uh, so this is the first Star Trek movie I've ever seen. Um, you know, I started at the top of the show. I've known Brad forever and he has always been a Star Trek fan. And he always tried to get me to watch him. And I go, I don't know. I'm, I just couldn't get into Star Trek. And Brad says, you need to watch this one. And uh, well, we were doing those commentaries. Yeah, uh, it's for not the- a good commentary because I never saw the film and I really quiet throughout it because I'm because I'm enthralled. Um, but yeah, so I have a really weird uh, watch pattern of the Star Trek films. Um, so I saw this one is at our house, my house, because we did the commentary. This is years ago. And then, um, then I saw Wrath of Khan at midnight, and I, I adore that film. Uh, but this film is, yeah, it's cool. It's there's intrigue, there's a mystery. Uh, it was the first time I really watched Shatner be Captain Kirk. When what was cool is it, he was such a parody in pop culture with the I talk like this, and then when you actually see him in the film, you go, oh, he's a really good actor. And he's really great in this movie. And this movie, it's so weird because Star Trek took this cheesiness. Um, I'm guessing from the, I've never watched the original show, so I don't know. So from the original show, but the movies don't have it in it at all. Um, and so watching this, and then I watched two, and then I went to Trades Mart. Hey, remember that, everybody? Um, and I got the um, original Blu-ray set of all the Star Treks. And I then I watched them you know, straight through. And um, I mean, I still think the first movie's good. Um, I know a lot of people think it's boring. I think it's good. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie got me into Star Trek. So uh, it's always will be special to me. And it's a really good movie. You don't, and it proves that you really don't need, you just have to have a vague idea of what Star Trek is to enjoy the movie, mm-hmm. you know, because they give it to you and there. It's like, Hey, this is who this person is. This is who this person is. This is why this is important. And you are along for the ride and it's very well made. That's, that's the good benefit of this. Most of the star Trek movies is that they don't really require you to know every single thing of every Like You just need to know the power dynamic really. And that's it. Yeah. Even Wrath of Khan, like has a direct link to the show, but, the movie itself is still oh, yeah. like it stands on its own. Yeah, Wrath of Khan's one of the greatest movies we, ever. Uh, but it doesn't matter because we have Chekhov, who was not present in that episode, giving the exposition of who Khan is and what he did years ago. <laughs> I like. I think Wrath of Khan's one of the greatest movies ever. But uh, and that's coming from someone who saw it forty years after it was made. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Star Trek Six. Brad, you're number four. My number four, 
Bangarang. revenge. Only you can save your children. You must make yourself remember. Remember what? Peter, don't you know who you are? Have to fly. Have to fight. Have to crow. Have to save Maggie. Have to save Jack. four is hook and people hate this movie and I don't get it. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was I didn't understand how Peter Pan could forget who he was, but now in 38, I totally get it. Um, <laughs> uh, I can totally see how that would happen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. Uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, making a kid's movie, uh, about adult Peter Pan just, seems like a slam dunk to me. Um, you know, some of the, the kids are kind of goofy or cheesy, but, um, the movie still has like a ton of heart. Um, you know, uh, Peter neglecting his son, um, and hook twisting that against him. Um, it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm not gonna talk to ton more about it, but yeah, I, I've always adored this movie. It's tons of fun. I remember Dustin Hoffman scaring the shit out of me with Hook. So, yeah. yeah. He's legit terrifying in some places, yeah. Bob Hoskins is a lot of fun as me. The movie is okay. <laughs> I I like this movie, but there's other family films I liked better. Uh, otherwise, this one would have made it on my list. I mean, they have like the fat guy music with like the little fat kid <laughs> and, like, like and it's they're not even hiding it it's front and center every time i watch that movie and i'm jealous that i don't have tuba music like when i'm eating a block of cheese with my face carved on it <laughs> so. do you think like spielberg looks at that moment and goes like oh, i shouldn't have done that <laughs> i just hope the kid's like that's my score. <laughs> like <laughs> his phone rings and it's just a. No, I think I think in kids' movies it's okay. I mean, I don't. You know, it's not taken out of you know a place of ill will or something. It's just who he is. Even still, I hope he gets residuals for every time that scene pops on television. <laughs> 
I mean, they don't make James? fun of him, and he gets to do cool stuff like shoot the the cannon that goes three different ways and shoot three different uh, pirates in, in the face. That's true. And and doesn't he become the next Pan? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's the other thing is that the fat kid at the end becomes Pan. Like holy shit! As a fat kid, that was huge. I know. I was super excited, but now like I get winded walking up the stairs. So it's... I mean, whatever happened to Rufio? Why wasn't he Pan? You don't have killed. to walk upstairs if you can fly, man. You didn't. You don't have any magic pixie dust. That's the problem, man. I have pixie sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looks really uh, good. So, yeah. Uh, someone else is going to talk about it later. So I will move on. Zach, number four. My number four compels me to ask: Have you seen this boy? Um, it's a repeat. It's uh, Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Um. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to get this on the list because I figured I would put it lower, but I remembered one of the most recent screenings that I had of this film was actually like a really good positive moment for me. It was with Brad in 2019, I think it was. We were at the Esquire um, doing our movie theater day um, in July, and this was a part of it, was starting the movie theater day off with... um, uh, well, I think we started with the artist self defense, but then we booked it over to the Esquire to watch Terminator Two Judgment Day at midnight. And I don't do well with midnight movies, so it was fun watching a cool action movie with my friend. And so like I'm assuming you guys because you guys are a little bit older than me, that when you guys got into Terminator Two, you were taken aback. Were you taken aback by the fact that he was the good guy, or did you already know that going in? Yeah. I think it's pretty it's laid out pretty well. Okay. My brain because I only saw the first Terminator before I ever watched this one, my brain assumed that he was the bad guy throughout the whole movie series. So the scene where he pulls out the gun out of the rose box and goes get down took me aback. Um, so uh, the, the the movie worked for me at a very young age. Like the, all the suspense, all the points that Cameron's wanting me to get surprised by hit me well when I first saw it. Um, that speed, that chase down the LA River is still fantastic to look at. Um, Robert, I mean, I, 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 the sound work in that film is incredible. Like it is, like it's a, it's a godsend of work. Um, and Schwarzenegger's fucking amazing in it. Um, and I don't get bothered by John Connor and his like little attitude issues and whatnot. Like he's a kid. He's a he's a ninety. Fuck you. She's a priority to me. <laughs> I st- I do. St- I still do love, like, I think my favorite scene in the movie does have to be where he calls up the foster parents and he checks in on it. And in order to find out uh, if his foster parents are dead, he asks the name of his pet. <laughs> um, and uh, and he's just like, what, what's, your na- what's the pet's name? And then when he gets the name wrong, he just goes, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> and just hangs up the phone. <laughs> Wolfie's just fine. fine. <laughs> your foster parents are dead. Uh, and... Um, and the whole idea of like Scott, like of of Linda Hamilton, like looking to correct the future rather than just train her son to be the warrior. The idea of trying to like there make your own future, kind of like deal. Like that's a solid premise. And I and I I know that the franchise has gone to a shit in a handbasket, but <laughs> I, mean, I I mean I disagree. I think, I, I, I like think, Dark Fate. I think Dark Fate is really good. I think Terminator Three isn't bad. Yeah, that, yeah, um, okay, but like. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen Salvation. I don't remember it like, it's all right. blowing my socks off. Oh, Salvation's yeah. good if, like, halfway through, you pretend like the movie, the plot is totally different. Like, just talk to yourself 
and tell yourself a cooler story, <laughs> watch the awesome the awesome action scenes, you'll be like, oh, this is really good. Man, can't wait for the sequel to this. Oh, shoot. Genesis was the one I held out on the most because you guys told me that, like how, how much you guys didn't like it. So. I thought it was okay, too. I didn't think it was horrible. Mm. Okay. I remember it differently. But anyway, I did not like Genesis. And I don't... I don't know. I'd like to see them go further with it, but how how do you do it? Really, they've just remade two every time since <laughs> two. So, yeah. I think you should go back to the horror movie ro- ro- roots of the first one somehow. Um, I've still never seen Sarah Connor Chronicles, but but yeah, it, it's a fun film. Um, and I'm not the world's biggest James Cameron fan in the world, but like it, it would be a crime if I for- it didn't find a way to put this on the list. And I do enjoy it. So, so yeah. You say that, but I see a huge Avatar poster. So yeah, <laughs> the, the blue things turn him not on. Ju- not just that, I have a centerfold of the Navi. <laughs> Avatar I and Titanic you. side by side. Yeah, Super weird. I even forget their names or Navi's. I when Ga- I went to Disney World, Ga- guys, and we I- rode the bird dragon fucking thing with my kid. I go, and I'm on it. I go, oh yeah, that's the name of these things. Oh yeah, they're weird. The ride's really cool. <laughs> Guys, those posters are up there because I only jerk off to posters of billion-dollar movies. <laughs> the Endgame one's coming soon. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, retake the title of highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> the I make them fight. <laughs> Third release in China. <laughs> uh, My boner will go on. <laughs> And we are back to regular Zach. Yeah. I'm going to cut that out and just <laughs> yeah. add it, it to other things. Give it the old briss in the editing room. <laughs> Real Nerd Zach is like the Daniel Tosh of our podcast where we're all on jokes and we're all laughing and then he just goes one step too far. <laughs> and uh, Tosh talks about it. He says, I just keep talking about stuff until it's not funny anymore. Yep. <laughs> I know how to kill a conversation. Watch me. <laughs> Zach. Other deck. <laughs> All right. So my number three, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. So yeah. swept again. Silence of the Lambs. Oh, I thought I could do Jane Silent Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Clark's 2D. Come on, 91. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, no, I, I like this. It's a it's a good procedural movie. Um, it's always boggled me how it got lumped in a horror. But that's why I watched it was because everyone kept calling it a horror movie. And it had, uh, you know, a cannibal in it, which there's no cannibalism in the movie, which disappointed me. I mean, there's a couple bitey scenes, but not not what you'd want. But uh, um, I, you know, the movies is just kind of a neat. It's like if uh, Law and Order had a TVMA rating, so you could just see a, a little bit, you know, a little dirtier police procedural type movie. I like that. Uh, George Romero and Roger Corman have a cameo in the movie. Um, <laughs> I always thought that was, you know, a, a nice just wink for Ro- me. Roger Corman's the head of the FBI. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll watch anything that Jonathan Dem does because I love the Stop Making Sense uh, movie. I wish Hannibal Lecter had a giant suit. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome. I, I don't know what more to say about Silence of the Lambs because I know it's going to come up again, so... His rock docu- documentary is called Stop Making Lamb Scream. <laughs> uh, James, you're number three. Yeah, my number three. Uh, my number three is 
a movie I'm just I'm just happy it got swept so many times because uh, my number three is The Rocketeer. Um, so I, I think this movie is amazing. I think that uh, I, I will put my review of this in the context of why this is the best comic book adaptation until, you know, the 2000s. Because um, you couldn't get, you know, we've, we talked about the fact that um, the, you know, we, or we joked for a while because Disney was going to make a sequel with the original cast or whatever, um, which didn't happen. Unfortunately, all I have is this weird Disney Plus show that I just can't turn on because it makes my heart cry. Um, but the uh, you you can't get uh, a better cast for this specific um, uh, comic book than Alan Arkin and uh, you know Jennifer Can- uh, Connelly is oddly perfect. Um, I mean the whole movie is a really faithful adaptation that looks and feels like the Rocketeer. Um, only thing being that like, maybe it's not quite sexy enough, but it is for kids. So they had to tone it down a little bit. Um, but they even pay some homage to that. And you know, they, she's not Jenny. She, or she's not Betty. She's Jenny. Cause they were afraid that Betty page, Betty pages estate would be mad. Um, but well, and because Disney wanted to separate themselves from the Betty Page of the Rocketeer. Um, but I, I just think the movie is fantastically fun. And it is. It's a it's a cool adventure movie where you get to fight Nazis and watch a guy have a rocket pack. And it holds up pretty well. Um, even now, like on a 4K TV, like there's a couple of scenes where the composite's not great. Um, unfortunately, now even like even some of the scenes that worked for a long time, um, like when they're testing the rock. Okay, how many how many superhero movies are there where they like get to actually test the suit out? You know, I mean, it's actually very similar to the Iron Man suit scene. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, um, but anyway, like even that scene when they're testing the rocket, like now you can see the the black composite around it, so like it doesn't quite hold up as well as you would like it to, but. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun. Was a big part of my childhood, um, and stylistically is just so cool to look at. Like, like just look at look at that helmet. It's just a neat, cool Art Deco style. Oh man, it's just great. So the Rocketeer, my number three. Um, yeah. I always liked his jacket. Is that not the thing to focus on? <laughs> that jacket is pretty sweet with the double buttons. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good flight suit. Um, so anyway. Man, I cannot believe my number three has not been swept. Yeah, it's it's the true story about um, people that are in the military that have to conquer all odds when they don't like each other. Somewhere in the Mediterranean, on this naval aircraft carrier, these men have been selected to write a page in military history. They are the best the Navy and Air Force have to offer. They've been brought together to form an elite squad of fighter pilots. Their mission, one of national security and international concern. These are the fearless pilots. Seems no matter what I do, I end up hurting someone. The men who command them. Pudding. No, thank you, sir. I'll do my best. 
and the women who love them. Charlie Sheen. Never wanted to be a horse so much in my life. Lloyd Bridges. Call them the best of the best. Call them... Eddie's! Hot Shots. The mother of all movies. Oh, God, I love this country. So uh, Hot Shots is my number three film. Um, and it's another one that's really dumb, but all the jokes are really funny in it. Uh, it's basically a send up of Top Gun, uh, the Fabus Baker boys. Uh, they have I, they have tons of references, but it's basically a Top Gun parody. And Charlie Sheen and Carrie Elways are rivals. Carrie Elways plays the Iceman role. Um, Charlie Sheen is obviously Maverick. Um, yeah, and it's about them fighting a war with you know Iraq because that's what we were fighting at the time and uh yeah they both love this girl named Ramada and it's really stupid um one of my favorite lines in any movie of all time is at the end when the good guys win um Charlie Sheen comes up to Carrie Elways and he says um I have to ask what is a chafing dish and he's <laughs> Carrie Elways says it's a traditional uh serving dish that's used to keep food warm all day and Charlie Sheen says, I thought that was a crock pot. No, my friend. <laughs> and that's their that's their conversation after they won like this war. Um, it's totally stupid, um, but it's brilliant at the same time. Again, these are the movies I love as a kid, and I still love them, whether it's Top Secret, Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Deux, where they make fun of Rambo movies. Um, yeah, my wife hates movies like this with a passion you still need to watch brain uh brain donors to complete that cycle yeah it's just i i just love films like this and because sometimes it's just fun to watch and know that there's no weight to the movie at all it's just being stupid oh you're here to enjoy you're here yeah. to enjoy yourself yeah and, and lloyd bridges is in it and he's really stupid but he and he always talks about injuries he sustained while fighting a war um and it's really great <laughs> i mean there's a part where he walks up to this photo in the movie and he goes harold Harold doesn't respond to me, and I've known the guy for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good I stuff. Forgot that this is Carrie. Carrie Elwes did this before he does Robin Hood Men in Tights. So this yeah. is his first real, like one of his first dips into the sound. This is why I love Carrie Elwes because he does everything. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Saw. I mean, he did these kind of movies. He does dramas. I mean, he's in one of the most beloved movies of all time, The Princess Bride. So, yep. Carrie Elwes for the win. Can we hear that story again? As you wish. Thank you. <laughs> I had to do a dramatic pause. I know you did. <laughs> I was going to be like, you're not going to not quote Peter Falk right now. Are so, you? yeah, I, I do think Hot Shots is better. Silence of Lambs is not on my list. <laughs> I think it's better than Silence of Lambs and Star Trek. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what we're at in my list. I respect that. <laughs> Brad, number three. Uh, my number three is a repeat. It is the best movie of this year. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Um, yeah, one of the greatest action movies of all time. Um, it, it's funny we're talking about a uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League this year because this is kind of James Cameron's do-over for uh, the Terminator. Um, I did not see the Terminator before I saw this movie. Um, but you know I grew up with Schwarzenegger always pr- 
pretty much being the hero. So unlike Zach, I was like not fooled um, by that uh, play at all. Um, yeah, just the, the um, uh, action and like furthering cinema by making a fully CGI character. Um, it's, it's just kind of changed the trajectory of movies. Um, it's, it's amazing. Um, this still holds up today. I guess I am unique. I, you know, when my mom and dad were divorced at this time, sad. Are you okay? Yeah. Um, but the cool <laughs> thing is my dad, I, I've told the story before where there was his mom and pop video store around the corner from his house and he put us on the list, uh, the things they can get whatever they want. I don't care. And he, you know, would show us Conan the Barbarian or something. So we like Schwarzenegger. So when you saw the video cassette art for the Terminator where he has the gun up and you know, the red eye, you go, oh, cool. And then you find out he's the bad guy in it. So, yeah, I saw I saw Terminator after I've seen Schwarzenegger be the good guy and stuff and like kindergarten cop and stuff. And uh, I'll talk about how I saw Terminator 2 when it gets to my part to speak about Terminator 2. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, good movie. So I've been lucky. I've seen I was watching rated R movies way too early in my life. I mean, I remember seeing Predator, and my dad said, "You got to watch Predator; it's awesome." And I still think it's the greatest Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. So, yep. Zach, number three. My number three is a criminally underrated Mel Brooks movie. Gentlemen, let's go to work. Mel Brooks is Goddard Bolt, a ruthless tycoon who never gives much thought to the little guy, until he makes a dangerous bet. Bet that you could survive down here without using any of your resources for 30 days. And if you do it, you get my half of the property. You don't do it, I'm going to get yours. I can do it. You can't do it. You'll never make it. Take it all. I won't need anything. And you won't need this either. Ah! Now, can he survive on the streets without his money? One, sir. Hey, 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 get away from my car. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just cleaning your windshield, sir. Cleaning my windshield, you made it worse. Can he dance for his dinner? Hot two, hot two, ziggity bing, bow, boom, hot two. Hot two, hot two, ziggity bing, bow, boom, hot two. And just when things look their worst, ah! he meets a bag lady and finds love in the strangest of places. Hurry, hurry. I'm going as fast as I can. I want you. Where are you? Life is funny. I have amassed $6.4 billion. And I've amassed 6.5. You didn't. I did. You didn't. I did. Life is strange. Maybe it's because I'm richer. But mostly... Life stinks. Life stinks. Life stinks. Mel Brooks, Leslie Ann Warren, Life Stinks. You'll never know how much this project excites me. Oh, dick joke. <laughs> the Towers is dick. <laughs> Got it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, my number three is Life Stinks. Um, <clears throat> at this at this point in the in the in the early 90s mel brooks was trying to step outside of the spoof and satire genre and he really did attempt to kind of go back to what he was doing in things like the 12 chairs and the producers which is tell a wholly original story 
that in a lot of ways is kind of like a salute and or satire of early 30s depression era comedies um this film kind of reminds me of like an uh, like an, a complete opposite like a flip on my man godfrey in certain respects um but the story is a, a billionaire tycoon real in real estate makes a bet with another billionaire that if he can survive in the slums of LA in the 90s in 30 for 30 days that he gets the remainder of the property if he doesn't the other guy gets the other half of the property and it's basically Mel Brooks kind of travailing through uh poverty stricken LA and trying to survive in a Mel Brooks fashion he turns it into a Mel Brooks movie it's filled with his general flair for comedy and slapstick and you know screwball antics and uh, to me, what's interesting is is that because he's going back to those routes, he is showing he's showing a picture of L.A. poverty and poverty at large as it existed at that time in a way that no other filmmaker was doing. And this movie bombed big time, both with critics and uh, at the box office. And I really I guess I understand box office. I don't understand critics because it, it's almost as if they didn't know how to read a movie that was speaking to an issue at a time. Um, and also comedies are disrespected left and right. But um, I think Brooks gives a f- wonderful performance in the film. Leslie Ann Warren is amazing in this movie. There's a wonderful Fred Astaire, Ginger rogers S dance sequence inside a dirty laundry bin. <laughs> um, and then when they're about to make love, she's got too many layers of clothes, and it's just he's going, where are you? <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's unapologetic in the way it approaches its subject, um, whether being very goofy or very sincere, um, it runs that gamut. And so like, I think it's a film that if you like Mel Brooks and you want to see something that isn't just the spoofs, you've got three choices. And this is, this is one that people are going to tell you to skip. I would tell you, please don't skip this movie. It's fucking fantastic. Um, so yeah, my number three, life stinks. Zach, number two, uh, go ninja, go ninja, go. Uh, <laughs> New York, a city where 8 million can scarf down their slices in safety, knowing that when pizza is close by, help, help, is never far away. <laughs> Any luck finding a new place to live yet? Well, you know, in this market, it's actually very difficult to find good subterranean housing. You think even an idiot could find a place down here? But no! Wow! And I thought all the really good dungeons were in Europe. The past returns, my son. Ah. Hey guys, look! That's the canister that had the ooze. That transformed us all. Yes. Well, you're the last one, aren't you? Some animals are knocking down the telephone poles. Let them get their own cab. The next fight will be freak against freak. Take the ugly one! No, you take the ugly one! Which one's the ugly one? Ninja! Ninja! 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Cowabunga! The Secret of the Ooze. Don't forget, we're turtles! So, uh, my number two is a little-known film called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, the reason this is number two and not number one is my number one's a little more personal. Uh, I love this movie. This is what I wanted when I was a kid, the first Ninja Turtles movie to be. Because when I watched Ninja Turtles 1, I was like, where's Bebop? Where's Rocksteady? Where's the other monsters? Um, instead, you got like a bunch of like teens like shoplifting, which you know I like now. But as a kid, I just didn't understand. So seeing Toka and Razor, uh, you know, just smashing shit kevin nash being super shredder is badass um i and vanilla ice of course is his scene in the in the nightclub where he's singing the ninja rap i've seen vanilla ice a few times in concert one time i hopped up on stage while he was doing the ninja rap and promptly got thrown out of the (laughs) the venue but uh yeah so but i gotta i gotta live my ninja turtles fantasy of dancing with vanilla ice for the ninja rap so (laughs) it's it's just an all-around fun uh not as violent as part one uh but they needed to get that that kid-friendly rating for part two but it's the story is a lot funner it's just just a good time i I have a feeling somebody else might talk about this movie um i think someone might but yeah ninja turtles 2 it's gonna be ryan (laughs) (laughs) yes the the resident ninja turtle fan yes (laughs) (laughs) james number two Uh, yeah my number two is a repeat um which is expected at this point uh my number two is hook um uh yeah i i think the hook is amazing and totally underappreciated um i i think it's a movie like brad said that has a surprising amount of heart um i mean the 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 actual story of peter pan like having or peter having you know this very 90s problem of like working too much and forgetting about his kids and all that and have it it's regarding henry okay this movie is regarding henry um but instead of getting shot in the face he's peter pan and, <laughs> um, uh i think dustin hoffman is, is absolutely incredible like i can't i think i probably lived 20 years of my life not even realizing that was dustin hoffman um until at some point i was like wait a second there's like a human underneath that hook like there's an actual person that's playing that cartoonishly perfect hook. Um, I think yeah, the story of Hook like um, really manipulating Peter's son is dark and twisted. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun. And then yeah, I, the man, the scene where the kid just has to get Robin Williams to smile in order to realize, like, in order to recognize that he's Peter Pan, is awesome. Um, Rufio is cool. <laughs> Rufio is really cool. Um, yeah, Hook. Hook is great. Hook is a movie I just watched it in the last couple of months, and I am super excited to show my kids Hook. In fact, Leona was watching it and was kind of like at least paying attention. She was like, "I don't fully understand what's going on, but this is interesting to look at." So, um, yeah, just great. I want I want your like the the end of your initial review to be if you like movie movies like regarding Henry but don't like people getting shot in the face hook is the movie for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
my number two is uh, about a man and a woman that are animated. It's Beauty and the Beast. Um, I, I I do love this Disney film, and I just recently rewatched it. I got um, the Steelbook at Best Buy was on sale finally for the 4K, and so I picked it up. And it, I mean, I didn't know it looked different, but it does. It's way brighter, and the colors are way more poppy. But besides the technical aspects of it, it it's a really well made animated film. Uh, I have always love the part where he's trying to invite bell for dinner and um you know the his helpers are saying you need to be nicer and he says but she's being difficult and uh it's it's a sweet story and i know some people will say oh stockholm syndrome whatever i don't care about that stuff in fairy tales um I just want it to be a sweet story. And then, you know, there's moments that are great. But I also think when he turns back to, like, the normal prince, I think he looks like a douchebag. He doesn't He doesn't look handsome. You know, like, she, Gaston she, looks she, handsome. She, she traded down at the end of the yeah. movie. <laughs> but I also th- think Gaston is a really vile villain, and I think he's not a good person. Um, you, you know, if, if Dan Stevens... If Dan Stevens hadn't been cast as Gaston in that remake, I would have nominated our friend Spencer Kane for that <laughs> role because he... Because you think he's an asshole? Wow. No, no. Cause wow. He, Whoa. He, he he will tell you this. It, that's a dream role that he would want to do is Gaston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because it's a villain and he's really pompous. I think that's most actors gravitate towards that kind of stuff. It's, um, a, it's a beautifully animated movie. Yeah, this no, movie like this movie like literally changed the landscape of Disney for for all time. Like Yeah, it's I mean it's the reason why we have a best animated feature <laughs> at the Oscars now because they were tired of well, those movies don't deserve to be the best movies even though, you know. And this one was nominated for best picture and obviously yeah. did not win. But it's yeah. so it's yeah, it's a great film. I, I really enjoy it. The music's great. Um Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Brad, number two. Uh, my number two is another repeat. It is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Um, it is two my favorite of the original cast movies. Um, yeah, it's a, a great whodunit. Um, it's a great uh, version of the, yeah, the Cold War ending story. Um, and though also watching it today like the message of um people finding it difficult to change uh is like really prescient right now and resonates really hard um yeah, uh, yes seeing the v- future is something to be feared um resonates a lot in that movie um yeah the yeah it's 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 a fantastic star trek movie um uh, a uh, great way to go out with that cast on, um, because Next Gen didn't get <laughs> uh as good an ending as they did. Um, yeah. Um, everyone else has talked about it. So, Star Trek Six, it's awesome. Heck yes. I think it ended up as the second highest total of the list today. Oh yeah. So I, I was surprised that it, and and it, I, th- I think it's awesome that it made it on all your lists. Zach, number two. My number two is a film by two brothers. 
For the first time in the history of the Cannes Film Festival, one film has swept all the major awards. Barton Fink. Welcome to Los Angeles, Mr. Fink. Excuse me? Howdy, neighbor. Are you a writer, Mr. Fink? Actually, I'm writing for the pictures now. Oh, it's an exciting time, man. Is that him? Is that one Fink? Say whatever the hell you want. The writer is king here at Capitol Pictures. We're only interested in one thing. Can you tell a story, Bond? Can you make us laugh? Can you make us cry? Can you make us want to break out? Enjoy a song. Is that more than one thing? Okay. Devil on the canvas. 12 apple. Take one. Just having trouble getting started. Wallace Spirit. Wrestling picture. What do you need? A roadmap? We all need understanding, Barton. Oh, you'll lick this picture business. Believe me, you got a head on your shoulders. And what is it they say? Where there's a head, there's hope. I'm sitting in the audience. The lights go down. Capital logo comes up. Come on. Hank? LAPD. Got some questions we want to ask you. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. Some horrible's happened. Female Caucasian, about 30 years old. Ever seen month with anyone fits that description? But, you know, with the head still on. Well, Barton, you might say I saw peace of mind. Right now, the contents of your head are the property of Capitol Pictures. But, Charlie, why me? Because you don't listen! A new film by Joel and Ethan Cohen. So yeah, my number two is Barton Fink. Um, this is uh, my 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 dad got me into the Cohen Brothers early on, and this is one that we rented from the video store together along with Kill Bill Volume Two. And he said, "I want to watch this movie before we watch Kill Bill Volume Two." My dad fell asleep through Barton Fink. <laughs> but I stayed awake because before Seven existed, this is the movie where it was putting heads in a box. Um, spoilers for Seven, by the way, whatever. And uh, <laughs> the uh, the whole nature of taking a, t- putting John Turturro in the form of this Clifford Odets kind of stand-in character where it's a East Coast writer for Broadway, bring brought out to Hollywood to bring prestige to the film business, and he has to rewrite this wrestling picture that is clearly a Wallace Beery kind of affair. And just him kind of embracing the fact that he's stuck and he does not know how to conform to this system. And then the bigger overall dilemma of his isolation from from everything apart from the Charlie Meadows character played by John Goodman. Um, I think, like, if you are looking for a definitive John Goodman in a Coen Brothers movie, this is this is the role. He sets a hotel on fire and then runs through the hallways yelling, I'll show you the life of the mind, and just creates this indelible image. Um, Barton Fink, to me, it's it, like any good Coen Brothers movie, it's still kind of impenetrable in certain respects, and I don't want to try to penetrate it. I want to keep that mystery alive. Um, from frame run to frame end, like I've always had to keep myself guessing with this movie about what's what's being attempted and 
much like the lessons of a serious man, sometimes it's best to just accept the mystery. Um, and also, I, John Turturro, like, this is a turning point for him because of, uh, a movie written by the crew that did um, Hot Shots and Naked Gun um, did a movie called Brain Donors with John Turturro. And there's a turning point where if <laughs> if Brain Donors is a huge success, he, we would have seen him doing a lot more broad comedies. But then this thing hits super big. And John Turturro's leaning more towards the dramatic element of everything. Um, and I think that this actually, like, this further puts the Coen brothers on the map to get them into something like the Hudsucker Proxy, which then, because it's a failure, forces them into creating something like Fargo, which then, they, they've been able to keep a consistent plateau. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, they've never made a bad movie. And this is among their best. It's not my favorite, but it's among their best. So, so yeah, number two, Barton Fink. Also the source of a wonderful Simpsons joke where the kids have no idea what kind of movie they're in for. <laughs> Zach, you've made it to the end. Your number one film from 1991 has been sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my number my number one movie of 1991 is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Mine too, Ooh. so good choice. This uh, Everybody knows the story of Terminator 2, so I'm going to tell my experience with this movie. Uh, when I was a kid, when this movie came out in the video store, my dad took took me to go get a movie. Uh, my mom specifically said, don't get Terminator 2. <laughs> so he grabbed it, and I was, you know, first grade, second grade, just being a little shit, was like, I, like, you can't get that. Mom said, don't get Terminator 2. It's rated R. Don't get it. So he grabbed it, and he also grabbed Thelma and Louise. And uh, we get home, and it's like, Dad got Terminator 2. And it's rated R. He's like, shut up. We're watching Terminator 2. <laughs> so we sat down. And i never seen anything like this before. The explosions. And, like, the kid is a badass when you're in first grade. He's wearing a public enemy shirt. And you're like, oh, man. Like, it's so cool. There's helicopters exploding, gunshots, all this stuff. And then we put on Thelma and Louise. My dad's like, this one's going to be pretty good, too. And I was like, what the fuck? There's no explosions. Like, there's no, there's no exploding <laughs> helicopter in Thelma and Louise. Um, but Terminator 2 just always stuck with me. And when I was a kid, I didn't know about filmmaking or anything like that. I, I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger came up with all the ideas in the movie. So I wanted to be an actor. I was like, you can blow up helicopters, you can shoot machine guns and fight like, you know, robot dudes made out of liquid metal. You could crash trucks and ride motorcycles. So I was determined to be an actor. I got special effects books from the library and I found out that that's definitely not what an actor did. Um, that was other people. And then um, it just made me want to make make my own stuff. Um, so I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for Terminator 2. So you reminded me of, I forgot um, my Terminator 2 thing. Um, you know, my dad built out our basement uh, in Genesee and Terminator 2 was the theater test. Like anytime someone would come over, like it was that or Gettysburg, he would just like check out this, like the 5.1 thing. Um, Cause yeah, it's, it's a, a amazing film. Yeah. Uh, James. Your number one film. You're not going to tag team it with him? Uh, no, I didn't want to take away. F I mean, I can. Are you going to tag team me? Yeah. <laughs> you said it, you already said it was your number oh, one. Oh, yeah. Two, so right? I guess I will. Um, James, sorry. Just two minutes. Um, Terminator, yeah, Terminator 2 is my favorite film from 1991. 
Um, it's one of my favorite action films ever. I'm a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, like I mentioned before. Um, and this kind of ups the game of action films to that point. And I remember uh, I saw it for the first time. Um, they're called Elvis Cinemas now, but they used to, I don't remember what they were called before, but they're the dollar movie theater. And it's the one in Arvada that is off of Sheridan. It's tucked way in a corner. And during the summers, I would have to spend some time with my Aunt Terry because my dad worked and my mom worked and they were divorced. And um, You poor thing. I know. So my Aunt Terry would give us, well, my dad would give us like 10 bucks and we could go see a movie and get popcorn and a soda, or I'd spend the dollar on the movie, and then I'd take the other nine dollars and play the arcade games that were there. As I say, you could watch ten movies with yeah. what your dad gave you. Yeah, uh, but he did it for like snacks. But I used it for video games, so that's where I, you know, first played Mortal Kombat and things, things like that, Street Fighter Two. Um, but I'll never forget we we got there and we got there early. I think the movie had been a matinee and. We asked, we we got our tickets for Terminator because my aunt bought them for us. But then she left. She says, I'm not going to watch this crap. And so we're, <laughs> so we're in there waiting. And I'll always remember too, I don't know if it's, still, I haven't been to this theater in forever. It used to walk through the hallway and it was circular. And is it still like that? It, it, it looks has, like a spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. It's still like a spaceship. And so we gave our tickets to the ticket usher and the guy said, Hey, where's your parents? This movie's rated R. And uh, my older brother said, oh, my aunt, she's already in there. And he said, we haven't let anybody into this movie yet. And we go, oh, she must be in the bathroom. So we waited for a while for more people to show up, gave him our ticket. We went in there. My brother sat on all our coats. So he looked taller. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like the little rascals come to life. (laughs) And uh, uh, so, yeah, that's how I watched Terminator 2. And uh, to this day, it's still one of my most favorite films. I could probably quote it verbatim in the same way in the same like cadence and the same timing. Um, but I still enjoy the film and yeah, that's my number one film from 1991. Um, in my experience with it. Cause yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna rehash Terminator. It's awesome. You know um, what I would love? I would love for you to, to speak out all the lines in the movie and record it. Cause then I could watch, I could listen to that while I watch the movie and it would be really good. Done. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. it. On August 29th, 1997, it's going to be really fucking real to you, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is gold. I always remember that day, too, because it's my birthday. I said, sweet D-Day happens on my birthday, <laughs> or judgment day, sorry. My birthday wish to be free of all you idiots. <laughs> I love the image, too, of her holding on to the fence and the nu- nuke blaster, and it just turns her to nothing. God, that movie's awesome. Oh, the and the opening with the, you know, the exoskeleton stepping on the skull. Oh. And yep. The video game was pretty like if you were a '90s kid, it was a big oh yeah, deal. oh uh, yeah, those those two the rail shooter yeah, yeah. yep. I'm surprised nobody's mentioned you could be mine by Guns N' Roses in this whole conversation. <laughs> I, I like the uh, score more. The didn't 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 didn't. It's also a great tie-in song. Like I, I still get goosebumps when I hear the da 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 da. Even if it's for a sequel, I don't want to see. Yeah. It. It's like, oh man, the fucking Terminator. Hell yeah! And still the only one that depicts the future war that you want to see. Yeah, like none of the sequels have ever depicted that opening sequence. Yeah, you know I've noticed too with the sequels, they always try to make Skynet have way cooler robots. I'd rather just see an army of the skeletons 
and then the ships that shoot. I don't need to see the nanotechnology. I just want to see it down and dirty. Just battling across fields of skulls. Yeah. Why? Why can't we? You know what? Like I was saying, to, uh, guess, if I went Powerball, why is it just skulls? Like, why do the robots separate the heads and put them in piles isn't, isn't and then walk over them? Like Skull Beach, because it looks like it's on the sand, and it's, I, I, I don't know. Let's just call it Skull Beach, Terminator Skull Beach. Yep, James, your number one film from 1991. My number one film from 1991 is not a repeat because it's sappy, but it's awesome. Uh, here's my number one. Evelyn tried food. Ed? I'm sorry, honey. The game's almost over. I just want to see a little bit of it. She tried romance. If I'd answered the door were an only cell thing, would you still be watching the baseball game? No, honey. I'd probably be checking you into a loony bin. What we really need is an assertiveness training class for Southern women. But that's a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Uh, I was waiting for that space. Face it, lady. We're younger and faster. Then... She met a new friend. Mrs. Cleo Threadgood, 82-year-old widow. Imagine that. <laughs> a good friend. I hate candy bars all over the house. What a candy bar ain't gonna fetch you none. What? No, but it's theater 11. Who gave her some advice. You need some hormones. <laughs> and told her a story that began long ago. Did the name Itchy Threadgood ring a bell? No, ma'am. I don't think so. You'd remember her. Itchy and her friend Ruth ran the Whistle Stop Cafe. Itchy was a character, alright. If you ever touch her again, I'll kill you. Well, I sure as hell scared him, didn't I? But how anybody could have thought she murdered that man is beyond me. You ain't fooling me, girly girl. You in a whole mess of trouble. You understand? Did anybody really think she did it? Some said yes, some said no. Academy Award winner, Kathy Bates. Well, I got mad, and it felt terrific. Tawanda! Tawanda! And Academy Award winner, Jessica Tandy. How many of them hormones you taking, honey? You didn't kill Ed now, did you? Not yet. I feel better because all these people have lived as long as you remember. Friends. Best friends. Girls, I'm older and I have more insurance. It's a hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> she committed a crime. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my number one is Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> a little shocked, James. Until, I don't know, I was probably 17, something like that. Um, uh, I was home and my mom was like, You should, you like movies. You should watch Fried Green Tomatoes. And I did. And I was like, yeah, that was, that was good. And then I went on about my life. Um, but every now and then it would come back around and I'd be like, 
oh, yeah, that was good. And I'd, or I'd watch it again. Um, and as I've gotten older, I have realized how really wonderful and special that movie is. Um, I There's no secret here also. You go have a daughter and you start paying a lot of attention to like how many movies about women for women ha- are really intelligent and good and have wonderful messages and aren't necessarily, uh, you know, trying to teach them to be any more or less than who, who they want to be. Um, yeah, but, but James, the Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, I'm aware, man. Um, but, uh, but damn, Kathy Bates in this movie and her story is fantastic and memorable and funny and yeah she runs her car into some teenagers and fuck them um but uh but really like the story of of her meeting jessica tandy hearing jessica tandy's story and then how that changes her life um and teaches her to live um on her feet if you will like just really stand up for herself um is fantastic um jessica tandy is amazing um, the story of, of, of Ruth and Iggy is really wonderful and engrossing. And, and what's cool about the movie is that because of the way that it's told, you know, you, you get this sort of long story broken up uh, over time. Um, I mean, this movie is basically what uh, A River Runs Through It would like to be, but is not good enough to be. Um, <laughs> and I just think it's it's fantastic and incredible. And when I really look at like, what are the best written, most important, best movies of the year? Like, yeah, it's Fried Green Tomatoes, hands down. Um, and it's even better than Hook. So that that's what that's what the quote on the box should be. Fried Green Tomatoes, even better than Hook. And man, in 1991, whoo, that would have brought people out. They would have been like, yeah, man, wow, we loved Hook so much. We got to go see the tomato picture. So um, yeah, that's my number one. That would have confused me in 1991. I'd have been like, there was not a single pirate in Fried Green Tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never seen the movie, and I'd never seen the trailer, but I legitimately thought that movie was about, like, these three girls had a Fried Green Tomatoes stand on the side of the road, and they just sold Fried Green Tomatoes. (laughs) And that doesn't look like anything that that is. Oh, man, like, they they murder a dude. Like, Mm -hmm. she goes down. Yep. Brad, your number one film. Oh man, um, yeah, it's a no secret. Uh, it did get swept. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two: The Secret of the Use. Um, obviously, it has to be my number one Ninja Turtles. So, um, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, you know, it's not like the first one where it was based on the comics. You know, it uh. You know, the first one made a ton of money for an independent movie. It was the highest grossing independent movie at the time, at the time in 1990. And then they were like, quick, rush out another one. <laughs> Let's capitalize on this. Um, and they did. Um, we love making money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they, uh, they made, they took uh, the violence down. They made the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the violence the, down and the vanilla ice up. up yeah. <laughs> The, the the character suits are a little revised to be a l- little more cartoonish and um, kid friendly. Um, uh, the plot doesn't make a lot of sense, and there's not really a secret to anything. <laughs> it mean, is interesting because when you compare the two, you know the first one is kind of a dark, 
film. Yeah. You know, and this one said, hey, man, let's look for a new place to live. <laughs> yeah. The first one has themes of like, you know, the shredder is a father figure to a bunch of delinquents um, and Splinter is a father figure to these outcasts. Um, and yeah, two is uh, where do we come from? Well, we kind of explained that in the first movie, but, uh, you know, we're going to make up a secret and then eventually the, the scientist is going to say, like, it was all an accident. <laughs> nothing, nothing special. You're not special. Um, the secret was whoopsie daisy. <laughs> They're and, all whoops babies. <laughs> <laughs> and there's rights issues, so we can't have Bebop and Rocksteady in it, so we have to put Token Raza in, in the instead. Um, and the Shredder's armor mutates, but the canister's made out of metal. It doesn't mutate. Uh, he's a super Shredder. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, but it, it's still fun. Like the the camaraderie and the humor uh, of those characters at that time, like they even make weird, like adult level jokes. You're like, why would a kid understand like who Ralph Nader is? <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, uh, uh, it's just so much fun. Um, for as silly as it is. Um, yeah. Cool. Is anything else? Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. It's okay. I mean, Hot Shots is number three on my yeah. list. <laughs> no accounting for taste. It's a fun taste. Yeah, it's a fun choice, man. Um, Zach, you're number one. Well, I do wish I could chat more about my number one, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Boo. Um, yeah, my number one is Silence of the Lambs. Um, <clears throat> key, uh, the word silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I should just mime this review. Um, <laughs> oh, he's tucking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can you talk about it, Zach. Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you talk about it, please. Um, <laughs> no, um, I... Uh, <laughs> The the first the, the like the first time I remember seeing anything of Silence of the Lambs related had to do with um, going to Blockbuster and seeing the cover art for this film, and it was a woman, and then there was a big moth, but I thought it was a bee, and it's a big moth with a skull on it co- covering her mouth, and I'm like, what the fuck is this movie about? As time went on, you learn the learn of tell of the one Hannibal the cannibal. And I had to wait a long time to watch this film, and I was finally allowed to watch it. I had already read the book, and so I got kind of immersed in the experience. And then connecting it to things like Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the lineage that ha- that it has with telling the Ed Gein type of story was very fascinating to me as a budding young horror fan. And I do consider this film a horror movie in the same way that I consider Psycho a horror movie. Both can be put in the thriller realm, but both have pedigree in the horror realm, whether it be through Buffalo Bill skinning victims or if we've got those sequences involving Hannibal literally biting people's face off and smashing them to absolute pummel after going ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry, And then... You just see that shot of him just smacking and smacking. Ah, the movie is a well-orchestrated thriller. Jonathan Demme, who comes from this world of like smaller, like human-based comedies, being asked to flip the script on the cop genre and the horror genre at this time is insane. Like it's insane that he got the opportunity to do it. Um, and coming from the Coming from that school of less is more, he does really hide a lot. Like, the the movie is known for its violence. It hides a lot. And a lot of the stuff is in your mind, what's going on. Um, 
and I think it does take like I don't particularly love the Hannibal books. Like I don't. I, I think the Silence of the Lambs might be the best one of the books with Red Dragon being second and Hannibal being third, and then Hannibal Rising being way down at the bottom because <laughs> um, because it's it's his origin story gets fucking stupid. <laughs> but um, uh, to to be able to see what a director does with material like that and elevate it in the way that he does, giving the character of Clary Starling a, at the time, very kind of a breakthrough kind of character arc. It doesn't, it's not the same as what we get today, but it is a, it's a good stepping stone to look at in the progress of like a strong female lead character and to have her placed in the middle of some of the most harrowing, like action horror scenes in movie history. I mean, like the, one of my favorite scenes in that movie has nothing to do with Hannibal. It has everything to do with her confronting Buffalo Bill before the shootout. And they're talking in his kitchen and he's going through the contact cards and going like, do you think they're ever going to catch him? And then like, and then suddenly she puts it together combined with that cross cutting that Demi's doing of the false lead. And then she puts, she, she puts the gun up and she's just saying, put your hands in the air and turn, turn around, turn around and put your hands in the air. And you see Buffalo Bill, take the contact cards in his hand and he slowly starts dropping them while giggling. And then he turns around and flails his arms in the air, running down the stairs going like, Oh, I've got another victim for the skin suit. Like it is like these small choices to make it extra creepy are fantastic. And yeah, Ted Levine, I know he gets pigeonholed into that character now, but God damn it. He, he fucking nails it. It's it's creepy. It's unsettling. Um, the whole movie works for me. It's immensely quotable. I rewatch it a ton to the point where I'm looking to probably reevaluate much of my top ten now that I'm older. And I think this movie would find itself on the in the top ten at that point. But um, without losing my top five, like I'd reevaluate six through ten. But I will tell you also that I don't think. I've ever seen a movie that has the balls to make Roger Corman the head of the FBI. That takes some fucking balls right there. What's the, what do you, what is, who can top that? Only Joe Dante making him the director of a Batman movie in Looney Tunes back in action. That's how you talk. I think that. the most unexpected director uh, cameo of all time is Cronenberg in Jason X where he gets skewered. That, okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. That is the most like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and he has a great line. I want him soft. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 this is also with knowing that the Hannibal TV show really did up the ante on on this particular tale, and I don't go back to Red Dragon the movie anymore for reasons. <laughs> um, and I haven't gone back to Hannibal in a long time. There's but... really only one one Hannibal Lecter movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just ignore Brett Ratner. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that is my number one, The Silence of the Lambs. Very cool. So we got a lot of write-ins. We did. <laughs> um, did you pull them up? I've got mine, and Corinne has one. Should we do that one first? Are we then... reading hers, or did she send in a voice something? She sent in a readable one. Oh, fuck. All right. Yeah, you can read that. Just James, get, get uh, did you get Jake's if you want to read that one? Uh, I'll look for Jake's. I, I know I got my mom's. I'll look for Jake's. It, it should just be in the real nerds, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll bring up um, Corinne's, and I'll pull up the 1991 films Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> hey nerds, 
Sorry I wasn't able to join you for the Film Explosion recording. Along with other commitments today, I didn't have much of a list for 1991. Sure, there were some great movies that came out this year, but even the ones that I would have put at a 9 through 4 are still just kind of meh in my mind. So I'll just go over my top three. Number three, Terminator 2. An excellent movie, although the third act feels a bit long. As a sequel, it offers a perfect balance of enough exposition to inform newbies like me without bogging down the plot or action. Great performances with lots of memorable moments. Number two, Silence of the Lambs. So I'm sure you other nerds have talked about this plenty, the performances, the creepy dialogue and atmosphere, and the tension that permeates much of the movie. What? I just want to draw attention to how the camera angles and the acting choices perfectly capture what it can feel like to be a woman working in a man's world. Always objectified, always presumed incapable until proven otherwise. Sadly, that aspect of the movie has stood the test of time, but it was a very poignant choice on the part of the filmmakers and it paid off. It makes the movie that much more eerie to watch. And for my number one movie of 1991, oh wow, I wonder what it could be. Shocked emoji, squinty emoji. Yes, the entire reason I'm even sending this email is because I want to spend a minute just gushing about how amazing Disney's Beauty and the Beast is. Is it going to be just a minute or? It's four, five, six, paragraph, seven. Paragraphs. <laughs> Fuck. I'm glad you picked hers. <laughs> Read. Yes, the entire reason. Uh, oh, that one. Right, I did that one. So I've said before on the podcast that I literally grew up with this movie. I had Beauty and the Beast wallpaper, toys, and clothes, and I even dressed as Belle for Halloween one year. I love this movie so much, I had not one but two VHS copies of it, and it's been my all-time favorite Disney movie since I knew what a Disney movie was. There is something so simple yet powerful about a story of transformation, literal and figurative, love, forgiveness, magic, and false appearances. How can you not love it? I've talked about it some on the website and podcast before, so I'll just say that I'd love to do a commentary for this soon. Rewatching it for the umpteenth time tonight, I noticed how all the statues in the castles are beasts. Animals, gargoyles, griffins, minotaurs, and the like. This is probably the most obvious in the finale when we see the castle's exterior statues transform from gargoyles into angelic-looking people. But almost all the statues inside the castle are beasts too, especially in the West Wing. Go back and rewatch that scene and you'll see just how many evil-looking creatures and whatnot there are in the background artwork. Hell, even the door handles are beastly-looking. No wonder the beast was so mean and of course unrefined. He was literally surrounded by images that reinforced that he was a beast and not a man. Anyway, this is just one example of how much thought and care the cast and crew put into this movie. The perfectly crafted elements, from the characters to the perfect uh, to the music and the pacing, have helped this movie stand the uh, helped this film stand the test of time. And that is why it is number one on my list, and why it absolutely deserved to win movie of the absolutely deserved to win movie madness twenty twenty one. Suck it, Ryan. Fuck that. Pinocchio's a crazy movie. I'll fucking rip it then. <laughs> I can and will say more about this movie another time, hopefully in a commentary, but I didn't want 1991's film explosion to pass by without waxing philosophical about how incredibly, how incredible Beating the Beast is, even if I can't be in there in person. Thanks for indulging me, nerds. Excited to listen to the episode and hope to see you all in person someday soon. Also, don't worry. I've got a head start on my 2001 film explosion list, and it's going to be epic. Take care, Corinne. All right. Uh, I just had to make fun of Corinne because she's not here. So um, anyways, um, I do have Jake's email, James, and you said you do not have it, correct? Uh, yeah, you go ahead and read it. Okay. Um, so this is Jake's email. Hi, guys. It's Jake Hardigan furnishing a list so I can settle all your guys' debates. Number 10, Silence of the Lambs. 
I don't watch horror. I've seen this movie exactly once, and that will be the only once ever. I don't have to like it, but I do have to respect it. <laughs> His number nine is really funny. Uh, <laughs> number nine, Beauty and the Beast. This has gone down since 1991. Stupid adult perspective acknowledging undertones that validate domestic violence and enabling <laughs> behavior. <laughs> Corinne, put down the knife. Yeah. Literally, he just circumvented Corinne's whole <laughs> argument in two sentences, and it's funny. Um, number eight, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. This film is mainly famous for being parodied by Mel Brooks. <laughs> I love that that's the reason why it's on his list. Good stuff. Seven, Suburban Commando. I have never watched WWF, and I don't even know if Hulk Hogan was in any other movies. This one is pure cheese, but it's delicious cheese. Now with Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I forgot about High Noon and Meg Mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, number six, The Adams Family. At the time, James and I were watching reruns of the original series. I didn't see this movie until years later, because based on the preview, I thought they were going to flush it down the toilet. Those concerns were unfounded. Number five, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. It's Star Trek and a murder mystery. Klingon blood is made of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Number four. You know what I love about Jake's list so much is he has his own perspective on him and he just adds these always little like punctuations to him. It's like, I like this because and this is why. It's just funny to me. Um, Hook is number four. Hard to go wrong when you got both Robin Williams and John Williams. I wish, I do wish Rufio didn't just die for absolutely no reason, though. You know, it is interesting because that is a when he dies. I mean, as a kid, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the film, that was a a, a bummer. You know, man, Rufio died because he's a character that everybody likes. You know, I think it's I think it's a script requirement to justify Pan killing Hook or you know Pan sort of leading to Hook dying, right? Yeah. yeah. In a kid's I, 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 I was like Rufio. Um, number three, City Slickers, a vehicle for old Jack Palance to be cartoonishly tough does not deserve to be this high, but it is anyways because I ate it up. Uh, number two, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. There was a time once, long ago, before man, before men <laughs> lost their innocence when the robot apocalypse was just not, not just a trope. <laughs> and number one is The Rocketeer. By now, James will have already discussed this movie for 20 plus minutes. There's nothing I needed to add. <laughs> and uh, he does have dishonorable mention. Nothing but trouble. We, James, the folks and I watched this movie for uh, uh, this for movie night a few years later, and it ruined our evening. Just disturbing enough to be off putting and absolutely none of the attempted humor was funny. No- nothing but trouble is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Yeah, it's horrible. That movie is an abomination that should just be burned. Oh, my gosh. Uh, thanks, Jake. I, I uh, always enjoy your lists. So, uh, speaking of nothing but trouble, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth put it as her favorite movie of 1991. So. I almost added it to my list. Oh, that movie's so bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost as bad as uh, Drop Dead Fred. Almost, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't make my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got uh, a, a few entries from people. Uh, so on Twitter, uh, Ben, uh, director of the film with no name, uh, put just said the year of Costner, and he put two pictures of Costner movies, one of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and one of JFK, which was a very big deal of a movie in 1991. They helped get the assassination papers released, and mm-hmm. everyone goes, oh, 
that's what happened like the Warren Commission said <laughs> <laughs> um and then Tree, um, our pal Tree, uh, said several of my fave films are from 1991 are Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, <laughs> uh, Point Break, Curly Sue, City Slickers, Father of the Bride, My Girl, and st- Still Makes Me Cry. Happy recording. Look forward to listening. Um, and then I have Phil Vecchio, um, a f- friend of our show, only the Lonely, Naked Gun, Two and a Half, Nothing But Trouble, The Rocketeer, What About Bob, which is that What About Bob is a fun movie. It's, it's darker than I thought it would be when I was a kid. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Life Stinks, Hot Shots, Pure Luck, The Fisher King, and Father of the Bride. 1991 was a good year. There's another vote for Hot Shots. Great day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Phil, got, Phil got some solid ones in. Like He even got Life Stinks in, so... All right, then that's what I've got. Uh, do you have our Facebook stuff, Brad? Uh, I have my Facebook stuff. Okay, I'll do ours if you want to do yours. Yeah. Um, that's it, that right, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Olivia wrote in, uh, her list is Backdraft, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Terminator 2, Point Break, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Hot Shots, Curly Sue, Beauty and the Beast, My Girl, Hook, and Father of the Bride. Hot Shots again. Fuck, man. I thought I was like one of the few who loved that movie. And Zach Thomas wrote in, he said, I just, I just looked up the list of movies from 91. Oh, man, there's a bunch of classics. If I could pick three in no order, The Doors, What About Bob, and maybe Turtles 2? <laughs> Shout out to Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken for being a joke whenever I bring it up in conversation. I was like, it's like a, that's a movie that, like I flashed back to that like I saw, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Other than that she fell, like rode a horse into a, giant water tank and then went blind <laughs> yeah. it was like disney or touchstone like when your parents be like oh here's a disney movie we're renting this and you're like I, all right i guess we're watching this the horse <laughs> jumping into a barrel movie um i got uh two uh thanks to everybody who interacted with us on real nerds podcast on facebook and twitter thank you um hope sears sent uh father of the bride what about bob and beauty and the beast um Rafael Antonio Ruiz, who I should give a shout out to. He is a filmmaker that we met at Telluride Horror Fest horror show eight the years ago, one, I think we'd... like eight years ago. And he directed a film. He premiered there called uh, A Quiet Girl's Guide to Violence, which was a really great film. Um, and we had a lot of fun talking to him. Um, he said, including T2, I'd say Silence of the Lambs, JFK, Thelma Louise, Fisher King, La Femme Nikita, Jungle Fever, Dead Again, Delicatessen, which is really odd, um, The Double Life of Veronique, and Boys in the Hood. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know, 91 had a lot of movies that I said, man, these movies are good. And the top 10 list was a little tricky. Yeah. And my top three were really easy, but it was hard to it. edit down to 10. Yeah, exactly. I always start with a huge list and then I start whittling it down. And then I'll watch them and say, where does this need to go? Yeah, it's like 81. I'm like, I'm grasping for like, well, I guess I saw this one time. And there's yeah. 91. We're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. How do I get this down to 10? <laughs> pressure. Pressure. Did you have any more? No. no, I didn't. But I wanted to shout out Hope as well. She was a, a guest through the Jack Benny convention that I worked with. So the, she started listening to us after working with me on that. So Very cool. Yeah. And what I like to do every film explosion is hand it off to James, who reads his mother's list, because she's an honorary member every film explosion 
Yeah, and honestly, they just keep these these emails just keep getting longer. So pretty soon she's gonna have to start recording it and sending it in herself. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my mom writes, uh, "Hello, real nerds. We finally did it. Right after the 1981 film explosion, I printed out the IMDb list for our 1991, and we started rewatching them. Many we had not seen in a long time, and that made it uh, so much fun." Uh, I see why you all tried to do that. We also watched a few new ones and a couple that we uh, and a couple that we could have done without. Unfortunately, I am still not or I'm still not putting this together until last minute. Maybe I'll do even better with 2001. Uh, early in this process, we watched Hudson Hawk. Just sat there shaking my head and saying, "What the heck? Uh, insane." It was uh, like someone wrote down their dream and made it into a movie. On the IMDb list, it is rated one higher than the last action or the last Boy Scout. Um, I don't remember much about that one, but I'm sure it has to be better. It is. Um, the there are several popular movies from that year that we have not seen. Um, we will not see Silence of the Lambs, uh, or you will not see Silence of the Lambs on my list. Uh, not my cup of tea. Uh, we have not seen Thelma and Louise, should we? Uh, as always, I will be interested in your suggestions uh, or in, any su in what suggestions you have for us. I would say they should watch Thelma and Louise. I haven't seen it in a long time. I should watch it again. Yeah, it's one of those movies that's really popular and I've seen it a few times and it's good. It's just one I don't like revisiting, I guess. Right, like like she should walk, she should walk into it um, expecting something on par with like Sugarland Express as far as like... <laughs> As far as like level of fun, you know, like it's not like a cool action movie. Or just have her watch Marge on the Lamb. You're good. Yeah. Um, there are several. Oh no, I already saw that. Said that one. Um, as always, I hate trying to put these in order. I keep moving them around as I write them down. Um, I also know that I'm leaving off something that I will regret later. Uh, but here goes number ten. Not without my daughter. Uh, I had to replace Point Break with this one. Uh, Sally Fields always uh, plays the mother in this based on a true story. She finds herself in a country where women have no power and she is desperate to get out, uh, desperate enough to make an extremely dangerous journey with people she cannot be sure she can trust. Exactly the type of role Sally Fields was made for. Number nine, Terminator 2. Uh, she just wrote action with four exclamation marks. <laughs> uh, Put that on the poster. <laughs> very accurate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, number eight, and I think you guys will find this one interesting because this is like one of my mom's favorite comedies. Number eight, what about Bob? Uh, <laughs> I'm not always a fan of awkward comedy. Uh, this one is a great mix of awkward and silly. Several scenes that, uh, that we laughed out loud. Uh, Rich doesn't like Bill Murray much. Uh, but is still but still enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, number seven, City Slickers. Rewatching this one was delightful. Billy Crystal is great, a lot of fun and good messages. Uh, number six, Sleeping with the Enemy. The first time I saw this, I loved the tension, the suspense, which of course feels differently after seeing so many times or after seeing it so many times since then. Uh, but I still love this movie. I love the story of this woman who plans to escape and waits for the perfect time. Uh, yes, there are a few. Uh, holes that bug she means potholes there are a few potholes that bug me a little but not enough to ruin it uh, number five uh, Star Trek Star Trek 6 the undiscovered country um, it's uh, 
oh, it's an even number, she says, right? Which is how you yes. know it's a good one. That's, that's, yeah. the, uh, that's, that's the old yeah. standby for Star Trek. It is remarkably interesting how true that theory is. Um, this one has a good story. I remember enjoying the mystery the first time. Uh, as, I'm f uh, as I am finishing up this list, we are planning to watch it tonight. Update, after a f uh, further review, Rich and I said it should not be on the top 10. Uh, and I agree that it's not great, but it is Star Trek, and I love the characters. I'm going to go fight with my mom. I don't know what she's going <laughs> to I'll join you. They, <laughs> they must have watched five. I, I, <laughs> um, uh, remember, I started watching when the original was original. Um, uh, number four, Beauty and the Beast. Do I really need to say anything more about what I'm sure you already said? A classic. Number three, The Rocketeer. Wow. Her. Wow. Okay. Number three, The Rocketeer. This is going to start sounding really familiar. Um, action and comedy mixed for so much fun. I'm sure James and Ryan have said it. Oh, uh, Ryan didn't say anything about The Rocketeer, Mom, so... Uh, I did. Yeah. I, I just uh, told you said, talked about how my kid loved it and how much I did. No, that was great. Yes. Never mind. Um, number two, Hook. Whatever James said. And <laughs> <laughs> she says... Plus, crazy heartwarming, many sweet uh, moments that bring you to tears. Such a creative way to take a well-known story and use it to teach uh, new lessons. Robin Williams was such an amazing talent, a heartbreaking loss. Um, number say, one. I've never seen Rufio die dead, as much The as Final Nightmare. Uh, of course. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I think she does this joke with every one of her lists now. <laughs> No, her number one is Fried Green Tomatoes. Uh, where do I begin? There are two stories being told here, and I love the way they are being told. They are beautifully woven together, the story from the past empowering the one in the present uh, as it is being relived. Jessica Tandy leads a wonderful list of actors uh, who help to bring these stories to life. I love it. Uh, her honorable mentions are Point Break, Regarding Henry and My Girl. Um, there you have it. Hope you all have, uh, hope you are all well, and uh, see you and see you soon she saw most of you yesterday um it was an amazing blessing to see ryan laura and zach today uh made my heart incredibly happy love you all carol and my partner rich hart <laughs> yay but to be clear i wasn't laughing at her choice of fried green tomatoes i was laughing at the, at the idea of carol enjoying freddy's dead the final nightmare <laughs> welcome to elm street bitch <laughs> <laughs> rich rich this is the best one in the series <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I love the Rick and Morty joke about what Freddy Krueger became. He just keeps on saying bitch all the time. <laughs> uh, next week, you know, so we've been going to movies for almost a year now. I mean, limited, but it's the first time since Tenet that a movie is debuting exclusively in theaters and is like an event film. Um, our film next week is A Quiet Place Part 2. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's my wife wants to go see a movie with me, so, you know, it's a big deal. Um, the opportunity was lost to call it a quiet place to quiet harder <laughs> to quiet harder. <laughs> um, but it's getting really great reviews. Um, and I get to see Emily Blunt again. You know, I, I missed her for a long time. I watched uh wild mountain time recently and it's a cute movie. And, uh, yeah, to see her be kick ass again is going to do my heart 
Maybe I should see it by myself before I see it with my wife. So I can just stare at the screen and go, God, I love you, Emily Blunt. <laughs> and you get Chillian Murphy in a movie. Yeah. How often do you get that? Yeah, it should be good. Zach, thanks for joining us on this journey through 1991. Yeah, we thanks appreciate for having it. me on. Yeah, always welcome. Come back for future ones, yeah. yeah. I'd Which, love to. And yeah. uh, if you're interested in more terrible movies, I have a podcast, Talk and Troma, where I actually talk about how much I love uh, these movies that most people hate. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Is Redneck Zombies a trauma film? Yes, it is. I, I remember watching that one and having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> and... Uh, 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 Zach is Zach and I are probably going to be doing something with the concept of what trauma does. We're going to do an epic crossover. We're announcing it here. Yeah. So tr- <laughs> trauma has a distribution has an arm of its uh, company that has the rights to old movies that have fallen like that, that where the rights have lapsed. There's like older adventure movies or like Tarzan s kind of affair and cheesy sci-fi movies, and we're going to do a. Uh, a crossover event covering the Ronin group. <laughs> it's it's like an Avengers movie, but way lamer. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the Avengers movie no one fucking asked for, and no one. <laughs> it's with two Zacks talking about old movies. <laughs> but that one of the t- amongst the titles that we might end up discussing, like we they have Rocket Ship XM, which is a MST3K episode, and there's um, I mean, like as you talked about, there's only like there is technically one Academy Award winning film in that bunch. <laughs> um, right on. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming on. Our next one is Film Explosion 2001, but yep. it's either at the same time as episode 500 or slightly after. I don't know. Ooh, suspense. Stay tuned. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Episode 500, we'll, we'll be ranking the top 100 episodes, episode featured movies, not the episodes themselves because they're all crap, but... Uh, <laughs> The, the movies. Uh, well, we already know what one of them is going to be. Cause we, ha- we hashed that out four hours yeah, ago. Yeah, we figured out one. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Nobody no, else. Number 69 is already locked in. Is that the Marlboro Man behind you, James? What's that movie? This is Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. This was one of the uh, movies from my time. I just don't know why. Remember, Remember Mickey, Mickey Rourke? Uh, Poster pre plastic surgery. That's that's, yes. that's, that's pre punch face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for listening, yeah. and we'll be back. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> you waited all year, hear what the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. The Real Nerds Film Explosion theme song was written and performed by Bolonium. Check out Bolonium on iTunes or buy their new record, Snacktacular, from Needle Juice Records. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.